Blog Talk Radio. Like, you know, 
It is what it is, okay? So it's like just time, you know, so I'm, I can't believe we're already in six months. I mean, I'm like, geez, really? I mean, just time is just really moving. But, okay, so last week, was it last week? Yes. This, I haven't heard part two. I, be, I always listen to the Succession finale, I mean the Succession podcast, uh, but I haven't listened to part two. I listened to part one of the official podcast, but I haven't listened to part two. But last week was the season finale of Secession. And wow, oh wow, oh wow, oh wow. I, I was rooting for Kendall. I knew it wasn't going to happen, right? Oh, my God, this Secession, like, you know, I feel like Secession did a wonderful job. Can I say this? Let me just do it the end of the finale. What I will say is this. It is probably one of the most well-written shows on television. You know, Secession is so full of great one-liners that you have to go back and you're going, oh, what did they just say? Oh, that was hilarious. Oh, my God, that went over my head. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of those shows, like, you know, and for those of you who don't know what Secession is about, it's about this family, kind of like a Rupert Murdoch, uh, Maxwell, uh, what's uh, Gisseline Maxwell's daddy, who was a big kind of uh, uh, mogul and news and stuff like that. It's a, it's but it's it's kind of like more. I say more Rupert Murdoch because it's based on an American family, and their uh, their father's ascent to power, and which one of the children will take over the throne or, or even or is it possible that the children can take over the throne after this? You know, they they think of them like Rupert Murdoch, okay? They own all kinds of film, news, television, all kind of stuff. Oh, my God, great show. And we're introduced in this show to uh, Secession, which is the main um, – I mean, I always have to pull – let me see. Uh, we should, we're introduced when we first introduced to this show, season one. The father is dying or is near death, right? And he he makes a miraculous comeback. And within that comeback time of his wellness, we're uh, we're looking to see he's his, he's kind of trying to he's pitting it's kind of like this thing for who's going to take over after this father uh, retires or passes away or whatever but the father's back and he's at the helm when we see it the first season four i mean first season one but at the end of the last season season four um at the beginning of season four after about maybe four or five episodes in we see uh logan roy the patriarch the head of this family Die, leaving his four children, which is uh, Shiv Roy, uh, who else? It's uh, Roman Roy, Kendall Roy, and Connor Roy. Okay, and um, the first, the first, Connor Roy is kind of a detached son. He's the oldest son. He's by a um, uh, a previous marriage, but the the it, the show tends to focus on the pursuits of the three children, uh, Kendall Roy, uh, Roman Roy, and Shiv Roy, okay? And so we are all uh, trying to see 
like when we how these people um, live and the, how their father affects their lives and where they're going to end up. Like what's going to happen? Are they going to get over it? Are they going to get? Is who's going to ascend to the throne? Um, I think a lot of us had an affinity for Kendall, but at the same time, I think you know. I always, I kind of knew that Kendall probably would not get it, and boy, this secession! I mean, did they take us on a ride? <laughs> the last hour, an hour was an hour and something of secession. They took us on this emotional ride with these four dysfunctional children and the people that surround them about who would succeed and take over AGN if, and would the, an outsider uh, come in and buy the uh, – because that's what they were trying to sell to an outsider. Kendall was trying to stop it from happening, and he wanted to ascend. And in the end, we see, you know, them sitting in the boardroom. They have they've decided that they're going to let – you know, they everybody's decided that Kendall Roy – well, let's start first. Let's, let me go back. Let's start about the funeral. The funeral to me, Logan Roy's funeral, which is the most powerful moment, one of the most powerful moments in succession to me is Logan Roy's funeral. Okay, his brother, who who's had a lot of problems with him over the years, gets up uh, and uh, he uh, I forget who the father is. I mean, the brothers played by, but. Uh, he uh, gets up and he begins to give, you know, the straight-up truth about who Logan Roy was and who he, and you know, how they grew up. He gives you even he even tells some secrets about that the kids didn't know about how they grew up and kind of gives you a picture of his background has a um his background and where Logan Roy came from and stuff like that. But he also talks about the bad a whole lot of bad things uh about him and it it puts kind of everybody in shock. Everybody's sort of like, "Oh god, you know, cuz Roman was planning on doing a a eulogy to their father that, you know, was kind of like a nice eulogy, but after the Uncle gets up there and he gives this bit of strong truth plus tells things they do not know. We know Roman breaks down, can't can't do the um seems like he cannot, you know, finish do, uh do the eulogy and so who ends up doing the eulogy? Kendall. And Kendall but delivers a powerful eulogy. I just got to play some of it because I feel like you got to hear it. I think it was a dope it it because it's it says so much to the story of secession and these questions we have in our head about these successful people who seem terrible. <laughs> I mean, they're terrible. They're, they're rich and horrible. They're everything you can imagine, <laughs> right? But, and Logan Roy is the head of this bandit, this crazy bandit, and, the you know, this crazy bandit of a of a family and, people that surround him, but I feel like Kendall puts the, the uh, puts who the Logan Roy's of the world are in, um, he, he makes a great 
point of who these men are in the world. So this is going to be a moment where, I, where we play this a little bit, but hopefully it won't be long. So let's listen to this. I don't know how much I know, but I knew my father. You know, I, I've said it. I said it, and it is true what I said, what my uncle said. Yeah, my father was uh, a brute. thousand reasons there I mean there always are a thousand reasons not to to not act but he was never one of those he had a, a you know he had a vitality a force could hurt and it did but my god the sheer the the of life gushing around this nation, this world, filling men and women all around with, with desire, quickening the ambition to own and make and trade and profit and build and improve in great geysers of life he willed, of buildings he made stand. Okay, you guys, hold on. I'm having just a little bit of sound problem, so let me try to bring the sound so you guys can hear it louder. So hold on, let me see. Let's see if we can get it. If we can't, y'all might have to just turn up y'all ear headphones. Y'all know how I be, this sound be acting out up in here. So hold on, let me see, hold on. Because I really want y'all to hear this from Secession because I feel like it's, because I got somewhere I'm going with this. So, okay, I'm trying to get it where it can get up here. See if I can get it louder for y'all. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
We're going to try to get it a little louder. I'm missing the sound now. Okay, so this is Kendall delivering the eulogy of his father in secession. I really want you guys to hear this because what I wanted to talk about uh, with this was uh, uh, the price of success. And, you know, I just found, I, uh, I, I found it just, so interesting. Hold on, let me see if I can. Uh, th- about this, uh, I think, I think my ideas changed about who I thought this family was after um, he- after hearing his speech. So I'm gonna try to. I don't know if it's gonna get any louder. So we'll try. Let me see here. My sisters and my brothers, but. Um... Okay, so I'm going to kind of start it over. So if you guys heard it, if you guys didn't hear as well, it's going to, well, I'm going to start a little bit from the middle. Hopefully you guys can hear it, okay? So. But I knew my father. You know, I've said it. I said it. And it is true what I said, what my uncle said. Yeah, my father was... uh, He was, he was tough. But also, he built and he acted. And there are many people out there who will always tell you no. And there are a thousand reasons there, I mean, there always are a thousand reasons not to, to not act. But he was never one of those. He had a, a, you know, he had a vitality, a force that could hurt. And it did. But my God, the sheer, the, the, I mean, look at it, the lives and the living and the things that he made. And the money. (laughs) Yeah, the money. The lifeblood, the oxygen of this, this, this wonderful civilization that we have built from the mud. The money, the corpuscules of life gushing around this nation, this world, filling men and women all around with with desire, quickening the ambition to own and make and trade and profit and build and improve. I mean, great geysers of life he willed, of buildings he made stand, of ships steel hulls, amusements, newspapers, shows, and films, and life, bloody, complicated life. He made life happen. He made me and my three siblings. Sorry. 
And, uh, and yes, he had a terrible force to him and a fierce ambition that could push you to the side. But, but it was only that, that human thing, the will to be and to be seen and to do. And now people might want to tend and prune the memory of him, to denigrate that force, that magnificent, awful force of him, but my God, I hope it's in me. Because if we can't match his vim, then God knows the future will be sluggish and gray. And there wasn't a room from the grandest stateroom where his advice was sought to the lowest house where his news played, where he couldn't walk and wasn't comfortable. He was comfortable with this world. And he knew it. He knew it, and he liked it. And I say amen to that. Okay, I listen to session writers. Oh, my God, if I could give high fives to all of you. You are the dopest writers on television. Listen, I have the words, how y'all use them, every from, from, from when Rogan says my favorite line of this year when when Roy uh when Roy goes to see his kids remember when he comes to see his kids the night before he dies and they're all trying to you know buy their albeit them for this other uh think news thing and they're arguing and they're like little kids in some senses and Logan Roy the big bad dog Logan Roy looks at him it's one of my favorite lines it's just fabulous line and he says I love you but you're not serious people. I was like, oh, my God, what the hell? What is this? I love, I, I love secession. I love every moment of secession because, and I love this funeral bit because this to me is one of the best. It's been so many great lines throughout succession. But this often, you know, Often, when we look at people like the the the, the character of Roy, uh, Logan Roy, and um, what he represents in the the history of America, there's so much there. Um, like characters like him, because there are real life characters that represent people like Logan Roy and. You tend to, like, you you have the Dale Carnegie's, I mean, what's it, not Dale Carnegie, what's the, the, um, what is his, um, uh, the, um, oh, my goodness, you have the Rockefellers, you have people like, um, um, uh, oh, I'm forgetting the name, I don't know why it is passing me of the bank, uh, the big bank, uh, JP, you have the J.P. Morgans of the world. You have all these great, 
businessmen, and you tend to have, even in them looking at these people throughout history and the lens of history, you tend to have a little bit of like, what a horrible people. I mean, what now? <laughs> I mean, you, do you care? And then you look at some, you know, today I feel like the, the, the new generation of millionaires, when we talk tech world, software world, and stuff like that, have just even gotten more uh, more wicked, Okay. But when you look, not that Logan Roy, like somebody like a character like in real life, like the J.P. Morgan's of the world, I mean, you know, they have, everybody has questionable things, the Rockefeller stuff like that. But when you look at the character of Logan Roy, he tends to represent all that history, the old school oligarch, business oligarchy of American, huge American business, corporate American business, uh, the Rupert Murdoch's of the world. And when you hear, to me, Kendall's eulogy makes you see those type of people so differently. I mean, there's a part where, where's the part where Kendall says, uh, let me see if I can quote it. And the things that he, but my God, the sheer, the, the, Look at it, the lives and the livings and the things that he made. And the money. I mean, when he talks about all that brute ugliness, things, but then you look at the things that he made, the people he charged, the buildings he created out of sheer will. I mean, this is the character he's talking about. But you got to think about this, about the super wealthy, sometimes business people, complicated business people of the world. Not and There is never a reason. Let me just say this, okay, my personal opinion, okay. There is never a reason to be cruel or never a reason to be hurtful or anything. However, in life, people who tend to build great, huge things, big, huge things, big, huge monuments, they are so complicated. They're such complicated characters. They're so complicated. (laughs) It's like even when you look at, when you hear about your favorite celebrities and stuff like that, you're like, just complicated. You know what I'm saying? It's complicated hell. But, you know, but out of that, like like Kendall says, the, the, the sheer force, that, that doesn't give you an excuse to be bad. But I think out of all of that complicated the will to embody creation and to create and to do wonderful things in the world and to make wonderful industries and stuff like that does not come easy, and it does not come out of perfect people. And I was listening to, uh, to, to today to a psychologist who was talking about, you know, because I was hoping for Kendall to, to end up, and what ends up happening is Shiv ends up, you, we all know, for those of you who haven't seen 
the end of secession. I'm sorry I'm about to spoil it for you. But Shiv ends up his sister. They all were supposed to get behind Kendall to be the successor to his father as the CEO, as the head of the company. And instead, Kendall, I mean, Shiv, his sister, who um, who at the last minute has this change of heart because she knows her husband, Tom, she's been working anyway on the side, you know, against her brother's with the guy who wants to buy the company. But when she finds out the guy who wants to buy the company doesn't want her at the head and he's going to use her husband has a puppet head, then she gets mad and she tells her brothers and all this stuff. But then at the last minute, we see something about Shiv that is sheer survival, and it takes me back to something her father said to her years, like years, a couple of years before, and I can never remember the line. But when he tells her, because she's married to Tom, and you can tell she's not really happy. She's happy, but she's not happy. She's kind of not happy. She kind of cheats on Tom. Well, she don't kind of. She does cheat on Tom. She just, she's just wild, child, right? And he says, you know what your problem is? You're afraid to compete. I mean, he just calls her out, you know, and and we see in this moment Shiv would rather pretend to be happy, pretend to go, go with a husband who's constantly, who's weak, who constantly at every moment he gets to exert his strength, stab her in the back. <laughs> and she's willing to be his, be like a trophy wife to him instead of, you know, Seeing her brother, now some people thought seeing her brother ascend to the throne. Now some people thought, well, you know, because she knew it would be bad for Kendall. And a lot of people think, consider all the children narcissistic. And uh, and that's what I heard the psychologist say, that she was talking about how all the kids were narcissistic. And she talks about Kendall, and she says Kendall is a, is a, um, is a, like a, a narcissistic person that you feel sorry for. I don't know if I believe that. I know that's what she said. The psychologist, and she reviews kind of ideas. And she is a psychologist, but she reviews ideas of, you know, the ideas, the the the, the uh, mentality maybe behind this these characters. I didn't see Kendall like that at all. I saw Kendall has being as a young child. He was told at seven years old that he would take he would become head of this this company. Now his father was, you know, playing games. His father was a narcissist. Logan Lloyd was a Lloyd. I mean, he, Logan Lloyd was a narcissist all the way. You know, he pitted his children against each other, all kinds of things. But at the same time, you see Kendall carry that very heavy mantle, but going back and forth between trying to be, trying to somewhat touch. A simple part of humanity, but then somewhat trying to go take destroy everything around him to go for that goal of being what his father called him to be. I don't know. I don't know. I see some narcissistic traits, but I don't know if I see him as narcissistic. Uh, and I just do believe. I always believe Kendall would have been good at it. Would it have maybe have eaten Kendall up eventually? Maybe. But I always thought he would be good at it. Um, but we see in the end, Shiv sells him out. CEO becomes Tom. Uh, the character tech giant, I forget his name, buys the company, uh, buys them. Uh, 
and we see Kendall just destroyed. We know that Kendall, I mean, to the point we think, because we've been watching this story of secession for four years, and Kendall's the old, next to the oldest child. And we see them literally, we see these three kids who have been, not the fourth one, because the fourth one, like I said, is kind of detached, the oldest man, brother. But we see these three, I would have loved to see all four of them in there, though, at that last moment. It would have been more interesting. But we see all three of them literally going at each other's throat, but we see them being reduced, kind of childlike almost. And we see Kendall just saying why he should be it. I'm the oldest. And they're like, no, you're not. You know, something like that. It's just, and we see him just, all these things that he has fought for, all these things that he thought he he was entitled to or he uh, uh, he thought he could be, it's gone. His sister sold him out. All the things he risked, everything, family, life, and limb, and everything for it is, it is one of the most heartbreaking things in secession. And it just reminded you of the price. Now, most people would just say, hey, you can go on in life. You, can, you know, you're still super wealthy. You can start another company, you can, but you could just see this. This loss hits him. It's just destruction, you know. And um, they were talking about on the podcast of the show um, for uh, for the podcast that this, there was a particular point that, you know, that if you watch the session all the time, they take pieces of the poem every, uh, every uh, I think it was every season or every show, and they use part of it to describe in the and the poem was by um, uh, John Berryman. If you know the story about John Berryman who who killed himself, it's a story about, you know, he's a poet, but uh, he has a very tragic life. I think after his wife passed, he kind of took on some guilt for that or whatever. But he has this uh, poem that they used in succession called Dream Song 29. And the poem is, here's the poem. It's like, there sit down once a thing on Henry's heart, so heavy if he had a hundred years and more, and weeping sleepless in all them time. Henry could not make good. Starts again, always in Henry's ears. The little cough somewhere, an odor, a chime. And there's another thing he has in mind, like a grave Sinise face, Sinise, Sinise face. A thousand years will fail to blur, but still profile reproach of ghastly. With open eyes he attends blinds. All the bells say too late. This is not for tears, thinking. But never did Henry, as he thought he did, in anyone and hacks her body up and hide the pieces where they may be found. He knows he went over everyone and nobody's missing. Often he reckons in the dawn them. Uh, often he reckons in the dawn them up. Nobody is ever missing. Now to me, it's the first part of the poem that. Is describes the session, and particularly Kendall for me, because Kendall is, even though it focuses on all the children, but we do see this connect of Kendall being the second big story in secession. And it says, there sit down once a thing on Henry's heart, so heavy if he had a hundred years and more, and weeping sleepless in all them time, Henry could not make good. 
starts again always in Henry's ears. The little cough somewhere, an odor, a chime. And it says, um, and it goes on about, but it's what they're saying is that Henry had, the story of this Henry is that constantly he was having false starts of trying to make good on something that he never could make good. And over time, it was just like he was repeating himself, and that is the story of succession. That's the story of Kindle. It's crazy. I loved it. I loved every piece of it. I thought succession was just wonderful. And it it, it made you look at people like this who may live like this very differently. Like, because you, 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 it's easy to talk about people. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to say, oh, what if they, they're what a bunch of, like, selfish bums or something like that. Or when you think about Logan Roy and you go, what a, a narcissistic, crazy man. But then when you hear that eulogy that Kendall tells so well about his father and all the dysfunction that was breathed out of this, but it's, but all the things that this man created who gave that gave it made that created industries people dreams about he he not only created industries but he created things for men to dream about like men dream of being working like working for him or being a success for him uh, and and all these things this titan of industry so complicated, so terrible, so many things around them. But my goodness, what does he look at? What he did? Oh my God! How crazy is that? So, I guess what I'm trying to say, y'all, is that the price of success, or not even success, because I feel like success is. Um, how can I say what's the real is is success can be relative. I mean, you know, it depends. You know, some I mean, I've seen people who have all the big money, like even the Roy's. The Roy's had big money. I don't know if you could say on one end they were successful in the material world, but they weren't successful people as spiritual people. And to me, that's a very that's to me that's my. My thing of success is to be, you can be successful. Like, I know a lot of people who are successful in the material world to go to school, all this stuff and everything, but, you know, they be like, you be like, when you talk to them, you like, Lord, child, mm, mm, mm. They ain't got, you know, they ain't got no common sense. They they not very spiritually aware or aware or something like that, you know. So to me, that's, that's not success. But at the same time, I feel like, and this is going to sound crazy, no, it's not going to sound crazy. I feel like God uses everybody, like even the most crazy people, the most complicated people can build worlds. The power of God's creativity that can blow through one person and do such magnificent things, you know what I'm saying? Yet they can be not the most magnificent person. So what I would say is that not the, I said the price of success, but maybe the price of purpose. I don't know. Is that right? I don't know. But the price of purpose is not always. It's not always um, cheap. 
told you, I mean, when I was thinking, when he was talking about Logan Roy and I was listening to his story, the story when he was reading about his father and when that, you hear that whole eulogy and everything, and you can see it on YouTube, it's even more powerful to watch it, you know, on YouTube, but I kept thinking to myself about, like I talked about last week in the Bible about David, the King King David, and I was thinking like, oh my God, I think about King David. I mean, David was a, 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 was a, considering his lifetime of a womanizer because, <laughs> uh, you know, David is a key. Even though he loved God and he would dance before God and he would do all these great things, and, and David was considered one of the bloodiest kings, one of the greatest king warriors. But David was also the dude who was sitting on, you know, his ass at home. Now, I'm going to describe it like that. He was sitting on his ass on his throne, and when, uh, when, and when, and he was looking, you know, he, was, he didn't even go to war when he should have been at war. And he was looking across the field, and he seen this beautiful lady, you know, and it was somebody else's wife, right? And he might have been trying to show off, too, a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Bathsheba, okay? And so what did he do? He 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 went and got Bathsheba and he, you know he got him, he got with Bathsheba, <laughs> right? And with ba- and him and Bathsheba, Bathsheba got pregnant, okay? And to cover it up, he sends her husband to cover up that he that that uh, the pregnancy and everything. What does he do? He sends her husband out to the front lines of the war, knowing he's gonna get killed. So he would it wouldn't be it wouldn't be found out that he was you know he messed around with the help fight. <laughs> I mean, one of his warriors, right? So, I mean, David, I mean, this, and David ended up marrying Bathsheba, but he ends up losing that first child because of it. And David's life, even though David loved God and did a lot of things for God, but David ends up having turmoil in his family, all kinds of things. And then David, you know, who hoped to build the temple for God, the, the the prophet comes to him and tell him in the Bible the story because that's, that's one of David's one of what David wants to be his great purpose, and, and God and and the and the prophet says you won't you are not going to build the temple, your hands too bloody, and David like what you know yo like God I did all this stuff because God wanted I thought that's what God wanted me to do, but that David didn't his purpose he was a war king so he couldn't build that temple but his son would right. But what you see in it is such a powerful, complicated story because he was a king. And it wasn't always, you know, rainbows and, you know what I'm saying, and angels and everything. David was considered a friend of God, but David did some foul stuff. (laughs) David was foul. He was foul. Just like Logan Roy, you know what I'm saying? Except for Logan Roy, I don't know if he ever got any spiritual, you know what I'm saying, guidance or something. But I guess what I'm saying is the price of purpose, David's price, the price for his purpose sometimes took him into some dark places and through some dark tests. Okay, now spiritually on the spiritual tip, David overcame his thing. Because in the end of life, David was David learned how to be spiritual. Now with Logan Roy is a different stuff. But in the character of Logan Roy, Logan Roy went through dark places and everything. But if he hadn't had those dark tests, can somebody really 
be a titan of industry? Can they build such powerful things? You know what I'm saying? Just think about it. I mean, it makes you how you think about certain people differently, the pressures that people face, the different types of pressures, the different types of um, what does it take to be an Elon Musk, a Jeff Bezos? You know what I'm saying? Like, no, I'm talking about real titans of industry. You know what I'm saying? And it complicates things because these are not easy people. You know? A Robert Johnson, like BET. You know what I'm saying? I got to say Robert Johnson. Because some of our, our, our titans are fake titans. You know what I'm saying. Y'all know what I'm saying out in these streets. You know. But what does it take? It takes a lot. And that's what, if you, so my thing is, if you get anything from secession, and this is to wrap it up, and this is my, it's a word this week, okay, is that purpose pause, wanting to be, uh, when you say you want to be something, count the, you, this is my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is when God said, when Jesus said, uh, when a, does, when a man, a man does not build a house before he considers the cost. You got to consider the cost, baby, because it's going to cost you whatever. It is, it's going to cost you to sit on your ass, but it's going to cost you to build. And in the end, like you said, his, you know, you think about the, the story of secession. The, he's talking about his the end of this great titan's life. He ends up, you know, but there's that cast that's in there. He's like, but he said, my God, I hope that whatever he got, he had, I got it. Like, yeah, he was. He was rough. He wasn't no joke. He could be mean. He could push you to the side. But, damn, he was creative. Look at what he's done. Look at the force of these industries he's built. Look at all this stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Look at how powerful. Now, you can look at it two ways. I'm telling you, it's two ways. Because it wasn't, to me, he wasn't a spiritually sound person. And to me, it, it, what, is it, what good is it? To, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet lose his soul. So you gotta think about that. If something's gonna cost you your soul, it ain't worth nothing. It you can gain like he said it wasn't a place his father wasn't comfortable at in this world. He was good with this world. He was comfortable in this world. He was worldly. So he wasn't a spiritual person. He was a worldly person. You know what I'm saying? That's different. I'm just saying for a spiritual person you gotta think different. That don't mean you can't be a titan of industry, and that don't mean your life won't be as complicated and as jacked up in some points as Logan, somebody like a Logan Roy. But the difference is with you, you spiritual. You know how to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying to y'all is whatever it is that you want to build, whatever it is you want to go for, whatever it is in your life that God has called you to or whatever purpose it is, whatever, you know, I don't know, whatever dream it is, trust me, it's going to cost. I always say this on this show. I always say it. I feel like, I feel like it's like a constant, it's like a thing, you know what I'm saying? I remember one night I was looking at um, Chris, that dude that used to come on CNBC. And I've often told the story on here. Uh, I forget, he's one of the big business guys, and he had all these millionaires sitting around, and they were talking about, you know, how they became a millionaire. And this one guy, I forget his name, he just said, hold on, let me, he said, let me just stop it right here. He said, I just, I'm going to have to be honest with y'all. He said, it's not one of us that hasn't cost us something. 
And he said, it's cost us marriages. It's cost us families. It's cost us time. It's been our sheer life force to do what we set out to do. Story of secession, I see that same thing, especially with Kendall. Kendall, in the end, he he spends it all on this dream. Not that, listen, what, keep in mind what I'm saying. Now, to lose your soul, you don't want to lose your soul over nothing. What good does it gain a man to gain the whole world but lose your soul? But understand that even if you become a titan, you must have, first of all, you must have spirituality to guide you because you're going to face some dark spaces. It does not mean you're going to go, you're going to loop, it's going, it, it's, it ain't going to be easy. Whatever your purpose, whatever you t- t- tend to go hard in, it is going to cost. And that's all I wanted to say. That's what I wanted to round up succession with. If you guys have not seen, uh, succession. I I tell y'all go check it out. I mean I don't know if they run it on um, uh, uh, was it it's what's on Showtime Showtime or not right now. I don't know if they doing that like running all the seasons, but definitely I think uh, I think it was a um, I think this story is such a tale, and I think that it's a it's a a, a, a powerful tale. When you look at it, and shout out to the writers of Secession, man, I love some dope ass writing. It's nothing like a dope ass writing, boy. When you create dope, just dope writing, dope writing on every every side. Loved it, okay. So I hope y'all got it. I hope y'all get y'all. It's a word. I hope y'all understood what I was talking about. I know I was everywhere, but I just really wanted to say that tonight because I thought that, and I really want y'all, if y'all get time, to take a listen to the um, to the eulogy thing. I thought that was very powerful, uh, just about the complicate. Sometimes the ideas we have of figures, huge figures, and and who they are and what they represent in the world. A lot of times we look at them and we think bad stuff, but we don't often think of the cost to be that. You know what I'm saying? So it's just a it's it's just a lot. I wanted to talk about that. Okay. All right. So also I saw this week. I don't know if y'all seen it. Natalia, have y'all seen that show about Natalia Great Child? That little midget, that, wait, it's midget ain't the right word because y'all know y'all be politically correct out here. Little people. Natalia Grace, if y'all have not seen the story of the Natalia, I don't even know. First of all, let me just say, I, I, I didn't like, I'm going to just say this because you can't, here's what I'll say for me. I didn't like the documentary that ID Channel did, no offense. I, I, I love the ID channel. I just didn't love, I didn't like the documentary. I felt the documentary was kind of skewing towards someone's side. And I felt like there was, like, there was no easy answers for this story. But it's, uh, it's just according to People Magazine. It's Natalia Grace accused of being a sociopath by adoptive parents. Says allegations are not true. Says Natalia Grace, an orphan from the Ukraine, accused of pretending to be a six-year-old girl, tells her side of the story in a new documentary airing on ID later this summer. Okay, so it was her side of the story. That's why 
uh, in the, you know, okay, it says Natalia Grace, an orphan from the Ukraine, was accused of pretending to be a six-year-old girl by her adoptive parents, is telling her side of the story in an exclusive clip obtained by Entertainment Tonight this week. Natalia addresses the allegations made public by Michael and Christine Barnett, an Indiana couple who have claimed Natalia, who has a form of dwarfism called spondylopiphyseal, I don't know, I can't say that, is a sociopath and a con artist who is actually an adult woman with sinister intentions. This is my side of the story, and I'm going to say what happened because I never got a chance to say what happened, Natalia says in the one-minute clip, which is a preview of what will be featured in an upcoming two-hour investigation uh, document, ID, uh, documentary, The Curious Case of Natalia Grace, Natalia Speaks. Okay, I'm hearing all this stuff that never actually happened from Christine and Michael, Natalia continues. It's shocking. It's frustrating because it, that's not true. And people are believing what Christine and Michael are saying without even hearing my side. The Barnett's who adopted Natalia from the Ukraine in 2010, believing she was a six-year-old orphan, claimed she was an adult masquerading as a child when they took her in. Then alleged Natalia tried to harm them and their biological children during the two years she lived with her adoptive family. Uh, Natalia was accused of trying to poison Christine's coffee, kill her by dragging her towards an electric fence. Natalia was also accused of placing a clear thumb, clear thumb tax on the stairs face up so that they would step on them. <laughs> In 2012, the couple petitioned Marion County Probate Court to have her age legally changed to 22, changing her birth year from 2003 to 1989. The following year, Michael and Christine moved uh, in with their three sons to Canada without her, without her, leaving her alone in her apartment in Lafayette, Indiana. The Barnett's, who later divorced, were charged with neglect of dependent of a dependent. Prosecutors couldn't charge charge the couple with neglect of a child because of Natalie's court-ordered age change. Michael was found not guilty of three counts of neglect and a conspiracy to commit neglect of a dependent in 2022, while Christine's charges were dropped earlier this year, according to the Associated Press. Okay, now this is an interesting three-part docu- I mean, uh, docu-series you can see on the ID channel. Chad, I watched it. Let me just say, I think all parties involved are crazy. Okay, Natalia, her two parents, uh, maybe the mama in the Ukraine. This is my, this is Carlotta 101 theory, okay? Now, first of all, Christina and uh, Michael, is that his name? They was kind of special, okay? You know what I'm saying? I ain't saying they was they 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 an animated type of couple and stuff like that. But sometimes you just draw karma. You know what I'm saying? You draw stuff to you. And I think Natalia might have been they stuff. You know what I'm saying? Now Natalia, when she came to them, she had a form of dwarfism. But a lot of people thought she looked older. Even like they when they start off the uh, program. This woman, one of the women who she has a daughter who was the same, supposed to be the same age as Natalia, who was suffering from uh, dwarfism herself. Okay, she brought when she they brought her over to play with Natalia. Natalia was way bigger than this girl. Okay, yeah, and they was they were saying Natalia not only had pubic hair at six years old. No, no, we gonna talk about. It. They said she was on her. She was having periods. And she would be throwing, like, the blood, she'd be throwing stuff out the, uh, uh, like, her, she used to put socks inside her things when she was bleeding and throw it outside the door, and they found them. A mess, child. Mm. Now, 
the documentary doesn't make any sense to me, doesn't go with too much. This is the part I didn't like. The documentary didn't go exclusively into medical records. We didn't hear, we heard a little bit of a medical person speak, but that judge did not just make that decision to, to make her an adult because the Barnett said so. It was through a series of medical records, and I would have liked to hear the reasons they thought she was older. But no matter how crazy Natalia and Michael may have been, they thought they was dealing with an adult. Okay, they wanted to adopt this kid, but then when they got in the house, they said allegedly she was playing with knives, showing up in their bed at the end of the bed, trying to, uh, with a knife in the middle of the night. She was trying to poison them, all kind of stuff. Okay, now while I believe Natalia and them, the family was doing some, was mad at her because they, they was, they, they, they wasn't. First of all, I believe they were special anyway, but I think that. Getting Natalia just expanded all that, and they was responding to whatever Natalia was doing. Now, let me tell you the reason I believe the story about Natalia is true. Now, she's at the end of their being with knives and stuff. Okay, let me just say, well, I call a lot of things is true. And she might. Now, see, I can't trust her mom over in the Ukraine because it took her too long to answer. And you don't know what kind of scams and stuff like that they've been doing over there in the Ukraine, okay? You don't know, you don't know, you know. See, they need some real investigation, like FBI and stuff, to go over there to find out her real age and stuff like that before they try to put somebody in jail. But before they have put her in this complex, in this, the family, listen, listen to this, okay? This ain't what, they show all this in the documentary. And then they try to erase it at the, at the last couple of episodes, which I didn't understand. In my personal opinion, they was trying to erase it. But... The family, once they thought she was an adult, they were scared for their family. They first sent her to a mental ward, okay? The nurses from the mental ward were calling into the store, uh, the show. So were the uh, uh, the other uh, male workers. And they all were saying Natalia is an adult, baby. There is no way she's a young person. They were talking about how she would be talking dirty to some of the men, always trying to be a man. This is supposed to be a six-year-old, okay? Now, she could have been molested when she was in or something like that when she was in Ukraine. But, no, they said, nah, this was a grown-A woman. It was people calling in who were from the mental facility, Sam. Mm-mm. Them people was right. And they were so scared crazy that Natalia was doing so much wild stuff in the mental ward that the people was like, you don't have to come get, y'all got to come get her. She's too much for us. Okay, y'all see that on the documentary, huh? Then, so the family said, okay, they gonna, they was doing right by her. They, 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 to me, they was kind of doing right. I don't know if they had no choice. I don't know. But they was, they was still trying to put her up to me, even though they was trying to get rid of her because they felt like she was trying to kill them. Okay, so they put her into these, this well, this nice neighborhood, very nice neighborhood at first, okay? And uh, they put her up in an apartment and stuff, and they kind of have videotapes of them going to the apartment. You could tell they didn't really want to do nothing to do with her, though, after a while. Now, my personal opinion, I, you can't blame a family if they feeling like somebody got knives at the end of their bed and is trying to put pine salt in their drinks. <laughs> It ain't funny, but you know what I'm saying? You can see why they like, uh uh-uh, uh, this is a little bad kid right here, okay? So they uh so so they they put her up in this apartment. She's legally declared twenty some years old now, right? 
the neighbors start talking about her. The neighbors talk about how she would stalk them, how she would try to touch on the little kids in the in the uh, in the car apartment. Cause this was the neighbors at this at the in the in the nice apartment pill that they had put her in. To the point they had to kick her after her lease was up. They had to kick her out because the people was like, "We ain't gonna renew her lease. She been too much trouble." People, the neighbors was even. It was a bunch of them. They said, "We ain't, we ain't even know. Sometimes we ain't, we ain't even know if we should come outside our house because Natalia be sitting on our steps and stuff." And then she even called the police one night on herself, talking about, "I'm stalking one of my neighbors and I'm scared of what I might do to them." Now the neighbors knew nothing about the story. They didn't even know the parents that well. Okay. But Natalia, they asked him, why you not live with your parents and all this stuff? Natalia was saying, because I tried to kill my mama. Tell the neighbors this. I tried to do this. I tried to do that. This is the neighbors in the first nice neighborhood they put her up in, in the nice apartment building. But she got put out of that. And so they went in the end, they put her in a trash, like a really horrible neighborhood and stuff like that. And so it was some other people in the area kind of starting to feel sorry for her. And so she was, to me, in my personal opinion, you know, they were saying she couldn't do certain things. It was a neighbor, and they called the child, I mean, they called protective, I mean, like kind of the abuse hotline for adults on the family because the family had moved to Canada. And they put her up in the apartment, okay? But the apartment, they didn't pay no attention to to the apartment having effects and stuff, you know, special effects. Probably because they was tired of her funky ass because they already had put her in a nice neighborhood, in a nice apartment, in a nice place, and she was stalking the neighbors, trying to allegedly, allegedly stalking the neighbors. She did call the police on herself. They showed that in the documentary. Allegedly trying to molest them kids. Okay. This is this is a so then we get this group in Indiana who's like Natalia's a sweetheart. She's 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 too young. She's not this. She's not that. So suddenly her mama shows up out the blue. They do a DNA on her mama, and her mama says she wasn't born in 1989. She was born in 2000, such and such. 2000. I don't believe her mama whatsoever because it took her too long to come forward. The first time they tried to get in touch with her mama, her mama was trying to ignore the phone call said she was dealing with this for 17 years or whatever. I don't know, okay? That's what she said the first time, so it implied that Natalia was older. But then the second time, they, she, she comes up with some birth certificate and all this stuff. I don't know if I believe because you don't really know the Ukraine system. You don't know what they got going over there. You don't know if there's some scams going on over there. And going back to when the Barnett's adopted Natalia, the adoption agency calls strangely, and they, you know, they put, they come and seek them out because they know they charity, they give to charities, and they give to adoption agencies and all this stuff because they had a lot of money, a little bit of money. So they called them and said, hey, we have this young girl. We know you'd probably be interested in adopting, but the problem is you better come pick her up by Monday or we're going to put her back in the foster home. It was almost like a, like you, like a threat, an outside. An ultimatum, like you don't come get this kid, hurry up and get it. You, she gonna go to the, to the, she going, we gonna put her back in the thing, the system, right? And her first family, the first family that had her, got rid of her. Was trying to get rid of her real fast because they was they was just something they they didn't show up on camera, but it was something wrong going funny with them too. That's how the adoption agency got her, right? So you could tell there's some situations with this kid. 
And even a couple, a couple of the couples who was going to adopt her, one lady was saying, well, I hate that I didn't get her. You know, I didn't. I feel like they were so wrong. I said, lady, you probably better be glad you got her because you was naive. But the one couple said they felt something was off, but it was something off. Okay, so when Natalia gets to Indiana, these people are calling the police. They, because they, I feel like Natalia know how to snow people. That's my personal opinion. And so she snowed. The, she realized she made a huge mistake with the people in the in the other the wealth the nice town that her family had her in at first. And so she decided she when she go to the new town, she gonna snow him and probably put her forget her family locked up. In my personal opinion, the Barnett's one that smart anyway, and they was kind of loopy themselves, right? So and they had issues underneath the surface and they own and you know with themselves they was kind of like fighting each other the wife wasn't seen seemed like she was a little loopy it could be mean and stuff like that and the husband seemed like he was a little loopy and all this stuff and so i believe they wasn't that sharp either okay i didn't believe they were that great but i do believe they stories about Italian. And then the father, because they start fighting with each other, they getting a divorce. They getting a divorce, and so they just, and they trying to charge them with child neglect problems and stuff. Uh, the father turns on the wife because he's just pissed at the wife. That's my personal opinion. For his story was very different several years before than it was coming up. You know what I'm saying? Now, uh, Natalia tried to take them to court. They lose the court case because, you know, um, basically she was a, an adult. Now, my personal opinion is that uh, the family, when they went to go declare her in court, I could never uh, probably plead, I, plead to make somebody feel be guilty for that because when they went to court, take went to court to try to get her age declared, they had evidence with them. They just walk in there and say, "Did you make the cat this little kid? We thought we adopted twenty nine. No, they had to have documents." documentary and the wife couldn't manipulate that that had to be from doctors and people who who had a suspicion of natalia being a certain age and the and to me the documentary should have told us more went more into detail what that was okay so to me i understand that they they left all that information out which up the, the trial thing but the father the barnett guy found not guilty or the charges ended up dropped and Italia's still out here, uh, supposed to be not as old as they thought she was. But I really feel like the Barnett, they didn't adopt her, uh, meaning it didn't seem like to me, meaning to do her wrong. They felt they got scared and spooked about this kid. So did the other couple, and they went to try to declare her. So to, to, to me, I don't know, I don't think they were coming from a place of we, we trying to, uh, make this kid think. I really believe something happened there, and I wouldn't have believed something had happened there except if it wasn't for the neighbors in the first area and the the people at the mental ward all saying Natalia was very adult-like, Natalia was doing wild shit, Natalia was stalking people, and I wouldn't have believed it if Natalia didn't call on her own damn self for stalking somebody saying she was about to hurt somebody, okay? So to me, Natalia Grace is wild. It's a wild ass story where crazy people got a crazy kid <laughs> who are a person that seemed like a kid, and it was it's wild. So if y'all have not seen the story of Natalia Grace, child, y'all need to check it out on uh, the ID channel. Let me see. I think uh, they've been showing it on and off, and then they and then they may have it on. Uh, oh, you can see it on H. If you have HBO Max, you can watch it on HBO Max. Okay, uh, 
and uh, very just a really good, interesting story, okay? And it makes you scared because you're like, hey, you try to adopt somebody and you don't know what you're going to get out in these streets. <laughs> you got to really be doing your homework when you do adoption, okay? All right. Okay, so when I get – oh, when I get back, we're going to talk about John Morant and some more news, child. Uh, plus um, – what was it? Something last week I was supposed to explain. Uh, I think I was, was I supposed to, what was I talking about? I think it was the relationship y'all asked me about. Uh, we'll talk, I'll talk about uh, uh, Derek Jackson's wife. We're going to talk about her in a minute, child, so I'll save that. But we getting ready, I'm going to get ready to go to break. And, Lord, child, we got so much to get back out here. I hope I get rid, get all these news. We're going to talk about American workers I hate going back to work, child. They mad. They mad out in these streets. And we're going to talk about John Morant news. It seems like the NBA has found out a little bit more. What'd I tell y'all? What'd I tell y'all? What'd I tell y'all? What'd I tell y'all? Y'all going to start calling me psychic out in these streets? <laughs> okay, so we got to listen. We're going we to uh, find out about that. Plus, uh, oh, my goodness, what else? We got so much uh, to talk about. Uh, let's see here. What else? What else? Um, John Moran, what else do I got? Um, okay, we got to talk about Deems and Adris, uh channeling the devil. Child, we got all it's a lot, okay? But meanwhile, child, we're going to go to uh, a break. I got to play. Y'all know I've been talking about this song for the last few weeks. I finally got it up. I finally pulled it up. I feel like it's appropriate to go with It's a Word, okay? Glitter and Gold by Rebecca Ferguson. It's the CC Show. I'm Carlotta. It's a late night. Y'all, if you're listening and you're up listening to the recording with me, what's up, y'all? Uh, if you're listening to the archive show, Still, what's up, okay? We're going to get ready to go on break, but here is Rebecca Ferguson. We're going to kick it off with Glitter and Gold. Glitter and Gold. I'll be back in a moment, y'all. All that glitter
Hey, I love that one. That's Raphael Sadiq, Never Give You Up. I love that one. Oh, my God. That's one of my favorite Raphael Sadiq joints. Now, you do know, they say, the room, I don't know, is it still on Tony, Tony, Tony? You supposed to be going back on tour out in these streets? Oh, my God. You know when the last time I saw Tony, Tony, Tony all together? Child, I was young. I think I was like 18 or 19. I mean, about 18. Jeez, man. And I got to meet them one time because my, uh, one of my friends, same background for Hammer. And so I got to meet all of them. They, they came to town. They weren't performing on that thing. They just happened to be in town, and they were uh, they came to see um, MC Hammer in, in, in my hometown. And I, that's how I got to meet them because my, my friend, I was there visiting her at her hotel, and I got to meet uh, Tony, Tony, Tony. Oh, my God. Listen, that was back in the day-day, okay? And my mama, I got to tell y'all this story. Y'all know how I love to tell my stories? Y'all know how I am? Okay, my mama in here. <laughs> like, so my friends were a little bit older, okay? So they were a little older than me. They, these girls, little older girls, I, I really like. They took me under their little wing and stuff. used to let me hang out with them and stuff. So my mom... That night, my mom and her, my friend's mom, they were close friends, and so they they were uh, <laughs> they were they came to uh, they were coming to the thing, so I couldn't go hanging. And so my friend had her little cousin come to the hotel, which was, who was like the same age as me, which we ended up being really good friends. And she she you know kept they kept us in the hotel, and that's how we met Tony, Tony, Tony. But my mom and them got to came, you know, and they, so I couldn't hang with the older girl, you know, because my mom was like, what's that going on? <laughs> so, so my mom, when my mom and them be Tony, 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 this is my mom and her friends. Tell you what they say. This is Raphael Sadiq is in front of them, the other dude, the other brother, all three of them. And my mom, they say, my mom and them was probably like, yeah, oh my goodness. And they like, yes, yes, Tony, Tony, y'all seen them songs. That song never, it never rains in Southern California. They like, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, that's us or whatever. And my mama. <laughs> my mama did say, my mama, I think it's my mama who says, my mama said, uh, hey, it's her, her and her friend, okay, they say, Oh yeah, we love that song. But you know what we really like the, the, the part, the one we really like. And they said we love the instrumental even better. <laughs> I mean, they all just fell out laughing. I was like, so embarrassed. No, <laughs> I was, everybody was laughing at stuff. And they was like, they said, also oh, you don't want to hear a C. It was, it was. Oh my God, my mama didn't. They, they, they just didn't care. Okay, my mama, no care. Okay, no care for embarrassment. Cause none. Okay, they didn't care if it was Tony, Tony, Tony there. He didn't care who it was. Okay, we don't like you singing on it. We we like your singing. It's all right, but we like the the uh, the what you call them better. Yeah, we like the instrumental better. <laughs> my mama never not be care. Like when I took my mama to see Maxwell. Like I thought my mama was gonna be really impressed by Maxwell because my mom, my mom and my grandma was supposed to go. Okay, now my mama is a wild child. My mama is like she's like the other extreme of me, okay? It's another, that's a whole nother person. I, I, it's not, I don't even, it's a, it's, it's somebody, I, it's a, it, you would be shy. You'd be like, guys, guys, I'm sure. The only way you know we mother and daughter because we look alike. You just the only way you know. I look more, I look like her some somewhat. But you, you'd be, otherwise you'd be like, really? <laughs> so, like my mother, 
is that the uh, Maxwell cousin and so my grandma couldn't go because my grandma, it was too cold and I had started snowing or something because my grandma wanted to see Mary J. Blige. My grandma wasn't interested in Maxwell. He's like, you just want to see Mary but my grandma couldn't go because it was cold. It was too cold for her. You know, I go out and shoot, and it was snowing and stuff. It was, and I saw, I sent, it was a few years back, Mary J and Mike Maxwell on tour. So my mom goes, and my girlfriend, Brandy, sits with mama. My, grandma, my girlfriend, Brandy's like, girl, your mama, showing out. She said, your mama, when Maxwell came, after Mary, she showed out the whole time during Mary J. Bye. She said when Maxwell came out, she started yawning and talking about he the little about me. She has not quit calling Maxwell a little about me. <laughs> she said he about to put me to sleep. Out in balance. <laughs> we can't take him nowhere. And she would tell Maxwell that to his face. Not she wouldn't care. I mean, you got to you got to quit singing slow songs because you got to put me to sleep. So that's the kind of energy I'm de- you dealing with. <laughs> so it was not surprising she told Tony Tony they sound better it, when they when they you know they they, they the, the song sounds better without them singing. <laughs> All right, it's the CC show. I am back over here. We about to do the news. All right, so let's start off with job. I would say Jai Dummy Moran, but it's, it's, you know, I mean, I'm starting to feel bad for him now, okay? Jai Moran suspension, Adam Silver says, NBA uncovered a fair amount of new info. We'll announce decision after finals. If you guys go back a couple of shows ago, was it two to three shows? I don't know. I can't remember. I said to you that it's probably worse. Remember when I said it was probably worse? I'm not saying I said about Bob Moran. I said, you see him throwing a gun and all this crazy stuff? It's probably far worse. It's probably a lot of ish y'all don't know about. Okay? Sounds like the NBA then discovered some, had a new discovery. Okay? That's according to Yahoo Sports. It says, John Moran remains suspended indefinitely by the Memphis Grizzlies after appearing on social media with a gun again. And it sounds like some significant discipline from the NBA could be on the way. When asked about the Grizzlies stars during his pre-NBA finals move, Conference Commissioner Adam Silver said his office had discovered a fair amount of additional information on Moran and would have already made a decision about him had it not been for the playoffs. In terms of timing, we've uncovered a fair amount of additional information since I was asked about the situation. We probably could have brought it to a head now, but we made the decision, and I believe the Players Association agrees with us, that it would be unfair to these players and these teams in the middle of the series to announce the results of that investigation. Silver went on to say Morant's decision will be announced shortly after the conclusion of the finals. He also said an, he also said an individual player's history is considered while determining the player's discipline, which probably isn't good news for Morant, okay? The All-Star was suspended by the league for eight games earlier this year after he went on Instagram Live while holding a gun at a strip club. That incident followed reports of multiple gun-related incidents involving Morant. The initial suspension was presented by the Grizzlies, and the NBA has an opportunity for Morant to work on his mental health, something the player himself discussed when he returned. Hear how, uh, here's how Silver described Morant's behavior after being sidelined in the statement announcing suspension. It says he is expressing fear, contrition, 
contrition and remorse for his behavior. John has also made it clear to me that he's learned from this incident and that he understands his obligations and responsibilities to the Memphis Grizzlies and broader NBA communities extend well beyond his play on the court. Apparently, the lesson didn't take for Morant. He was seen on Instagram Live once again holding a gun, okay? Um, meanwhile, Silver appeared on television to say he was shocked by Morant's latest incident, okay? And they saying that they're, they're basically saying there is some more things that have come to light. They will not discuss it until after the NBA final. But listen, I tell y'all, the strippers, when the strippers came out and was talking about John Moran, it was like, he, he's a shit. They should have just suspended. Some of the strippers were saying that he should just, they should just throw him out the NBA. Because you know, now if you, the strippers see it all, okay? And so somebody was saying, you know, well, the strippers, you know, they acting like they scared. They, they see, you know, they see all kind of stuff. I said, that's how you know he's real, he might be far worse. Now, I'm not saying he is. This is allegedly. This is just my my theory, but my theory is that if you got them saying he needs to be done for, or, you know, he needs to be out, that means he's bad. That means he, that mean he could possibly be, no, not bad, he could possibly be worse, okay? But I told y'all that already, that it could probably be just a possibility. So I don't want him to be, uh, his MPA career to be thrown away. I think he should sit down a whole season, though. Hey, because I feel like there's more going on, not because of the gun thing. It's the way he was doing, not for showing a gun, but it was the way he did it, the way he presented the gun, how he was twirling around, he wasn't paying attention, he said, I got somebody hurt, and all these other incidents that happened around the area. And he needs to be checked before he hurts himself or somebody else, okay? Just my opinion, all right? Now, Y'all don't want to go back to work. Child, y'all don't want to go back. Y'all do not want to go back. Y'all like, I don't want to go back. About a week ago, was a week or two ago, at CNBC, uh, Elon Musk gives an interview and says, it's time for everybody to go to work. Suddenly, all CEOs are saying, yeah, we agree. Let's go back to work. That tells you that these probably, this is my opinion, it's Carly Carlotta 101's opinion, that most of these billionaires get together and try to set Plans for industry. I don't think they can be trusted, especially the new brand. Okay, but it says a worker quitting a six-figure job so she won't have to return to the office full-time says she's a victim of her boss's productivity paranoia. I don't need to be in the office to do my work. This is according to Insider.com, BusinessInsider.com. Now let me just say this, okay, before I go into this article, COVID. Was the re- most people they before COVID? See, they think we done. Before COVID, they were talking about more and more workers working remote and how that was better. Before COVID, remember, remember at the uh, what's them people the D uh, start with a D, the um, oh God, I forget their name. The conference, the um, uh, uh, it's slipping my mind. But that conference they have every year, uh, um. And they said these the people at that conference they were wanting to do the great reset of the day. Oh, I just had it. The the boy, what is it? The Davos, the Davos conference said they were interested in the great reset. Remember they were talking that crap, talking about the you will own nothing, you you will um you will be happy and own nothing. It seems like they're trying to head that way. Okay, now. 
they were before the COVID. They were talking about having more workers working at home. Reset, uh, resetting. Uh, I mean, beforehand, before COVID, or before the Great Reset takes place, more people were working from home. All kind of stuff. Then COVID happened, and working from home became a thing. And now they, uh, they crazy asses are trying to say, well, now we might want all y'all to come back and collaborate. Y'all weren't doing that just a few years ago. Y'all was talking about y'all wanted more people to start doing remote. So remote didn't just start because of COVID. It was starting beforehand because a lot of people in the American industry worked. Some some people were overworked. Um, some of those uh, systems could be done at home, cheaper and more efficient. So it's not every job. So I, I just felt it's just kind of a little suspect of our, what they're doing now. My personal opinion is they're trying to put more pressure on the American worker to break. I'm a conspiracy theorist, okay? So I believe these people, these billionaires ain't, ain't dumb about uh, to the havoc they wreak when they cause these type of things. When they suddenly send people in the house and suddenly want them back, suddenly this and that, instead of easing uh, things, and, and, and especially during the time where inflation's out of control, gas is high, it's so it's more expensive to get into work, all kinds of stuff, okay? But it says, Felicia, 53, is leaving her job after being asked to work in person five days a week. For over a year, she worked three days at home and two in her office, a perfect balance for her. But uh, she'd rather find a job that pays less than keep going in five days. Whoa. Felicia isn't sold on returning to the office. After getting called back five days a week, she's leaving her job altogether. She'd rather forego a six-figure salary than be in the office every day. I know how to do my job. I don't need to be in the office to do my work, she told Insider. I just knew I didn't want to go back to what it felt like before. Felicia's 53-year-old administrator in Arizona. Insider verified her last name, employment, and salary, but she asked that they be withheld to protect her privacy. Has firms tightened their belts to error a fully remote work may be ending? The Bureau of Labor Statistics recently said it found nearly 73% of companies offered little to no telework in September, a big leap from 60% in 2021. Major companies, including those that have done layoffs, are mandating that workers come back in. For some workers, the choice has been between coming back or getting fired. But Felicia is seeing herself out. For a year and a half, her office had a hybrid model. Three days at home, two days in the office. She described it as the perfect work-life balance. I find that I got a lot more work done when I was working in the hybrid day, uh, working the hybrid day, she said, referring to her day spent at home. She added that in the office there were so many distractions and interruptions, interruptions that she couldn't keep up uh, with her workload. I was going home and working four hours because I couldn't get the work done, she said. Now, I've heard a lot of people say this. A lot of people feel like they're more efficient at home, which Elon Musk, who is a person who has never probably, like he's talking about he got to be in the office. Elon, shut the fuck up. You know you are a billionaire, and you can run up out of there anytime you want to and do all kinds of stuff. You know what I'm <laughs> But I don't think he understands the average. My personal opinion is dudes like Elon Musk telling people to go back to work and stuff, he has no concept, which is just my personal opinion, of the average because he comes from a wealthy family. His wealth, I believe, from what I hear, was passed down to him. So he has no concept 
of the everyday worker, even though he's the CEO and runs, but he has no concept of what that life looks like, looks like and the pressures in that life and the pressures of everyday work. Perhaps men like him, this is my personal opinion, should go and work sometimes down in those areas, just go and sit in, 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 at, at like what he used to do on Undercover Boss and stay in those areas for a month to get a feel. You can't get it completely because you grew up in a different way. But to understand how a corporate corporate thing works, you'll probably find out there's a lot of waste that goes on at the office. My personal opinion is that a lot of these companies are in very busy, busy downtown areas, hub spaces where there are other restaurants, food services, uh, businesses that depend on the hustle and bustle of corporations to be open. So that's why you have this. I think that's some of the reason, not all the reason, this idea to get people back in the office so they can help uh, these once thriving areas thrive again. That's just my one of my opinions, okay? Uh, but but just a month or so into having a work to work fully in person, Felicia turned in her notice of resignation. She said she liked being able to quietly focus while working virtually and then flipping the switch and seeing coworkers in person on on person on in-office days. Now, water cooler gossip has returned in full force, and she feels like she's seeing less of her team. She realized while sitting in traffic one day that it was time to go, just sitting there and thinking, oh, my goodness, that's still enough. I have a meeting coming up, yet I'm stuck in this, she said. And it's like, why am I doing this to myself when it's not even necessary? As they focus on efficiency and belt tightening, managers want to see evidence that their employees are working, okay? And that's the idea from a person who, like Elon Musk, who put that out there, like this idea of some conservatives on Fox, this idea that people aren't working because they work from home. This, this was not, work, working remote was not a new idea. America is so slow. No, America has a short, they slow and they got a short attention span, Okay. Working remote was going to be a thing anyway. They already been talking about that way before COVID. Now they want to switch it up, okay? Even after years of remote work, some managers are disproportionately worried that their remote employees aren't working, a phenomenon known as productivity paranoia. Felicia said the perception among managers at her company was that the hybrid employees weren't working. I heard a lot. Oh, you guys were only working two days per week and off for three she said and it's like no that's not true we got most of our work done when we were working the three at home and people even said the activity at one point was higher because people were working at home now there might be some people that's not working at home but it's a whole lot of people that don't be working in them offices shit i used to see it all the time <laughs> talk about lack of productivity you can get away with a lot of stuff in your offices that's a lot <laughs> okay, and uh, she said she has several pe- other people she knows at her workplace who have left for more remote or hybrid jobs. That in their appearance of freedom made her miss the balance she had and inspired her departure. Okay, I just got to the point where it just wasn't working for me. She said, and I walked away from over a hundred thousand per year salary to seek positions that have hybrid options so that I can have that work-life balance. Felicia says she's looking for roles that will offer her similar flexibility, even if they pay less than what she makes now. 
the payoff is driving in, is the driving and the traffic and the stress of being on the road five days per week versus being able to do the very same work and more from the convenience of the hybrid option, he said. So he just says he thinks that uh, more uh, inflexible return to office mandates can harm productivity and lead to an exodus among workers. Now, in my personal opinion, they want to do that. I'm a conspiracy theorist. I think the whole COVID thing, they knew that shit was good. They knew when people come back, people weren't going to feel good about coming to work. People going to be like, you know what, I, I'm tired. I don't, I don't got a taste of what it's like to do my work at peace. I finished my projects faster because I ain't got nobody uh, the, over the, at the office talking. I don't hear, I have to hear nobody at the next desk talking and all this stuff. I get to my kids is at, uh, I get to baby. When my kids get home, I'm here. Hey, you know. I got to uh, put, uh, put a little food on the table. I mean, they feel, I think people are feeling a little bit better. Uh, you know, men are feeling less stressed out from the stress of the office. Women are feeling less stressed out from the stress of, of the driving there. It's just so many things. And I think they knew people was going to taste that life. They knew it. They knew it. And when they did, they was going to send them into ultra shot to get them back in because my personal opinion is they won't try to leave. Why? Because they aren't here. They want an excuse to replace y'all. Because they don't want to just replace y'all with robots because most people be like, oh, that's evil. This is such an evil. No, they just want to try to be like, well, we didn't have enough workers wanting to work so we're going to replace it. We, we had to. What were we to do? Nobody wants to work from... It's like what they did to black people. Black American people, traditional Black Americans, they say, "What did that that Hispanic, uh, the Mexican uh, president say about Black people?" Which wasn't true. Black people don't even want to work the jobs that a lot of the people, the, the the Mexican people, do in America. That's a damn lie. That's all who used to do it. The problem with is the difference is that Black people want to be paid a fair wage because they're citizens. They're paying you cheap labor. Ain't that black people wouldn't uh, grow, work in the, in the fields and won't paint no bills and no houses and stuff. They want to be paid fairly. And what they do, they replace black people because they try, they lie because black people are saying, I ain't going to take no job working $2,000 an hour outside in the, in the heat paint for eight hours. Cause I'm a citizen. So what they do is well, we couldn't find enough workers. What would happen? The United States would break down without the person, the the foreign, the foreign. Uh, I mean, without illegal immigration. Lie. No, you would have to pay people a fair wage, and people would come get them jobs. You know that, but you just don't want to pay people a fair wage, so you use this excuse has. Oh, we can't, but these people, nobody would take those jobs, not even the blacks, please. A lot of people would take uh, a job cleaning up, painting and stuff, they were paying them right. But when you exploiting illegal immigrants for your greed and profit, no, yes. It's it's easy. That's what you're going to do with AI. You're just going to get rid of people, and you're going to blame it on the people. This is lies. These people is hideous. Hideous, hideous, hideous. That's why you're looking like the world got to fight. 
It got to be the end times. I'm sorry, y'all. I know it's sad to hear. I don't like hearing it's the end times either, but it got to be the end times because of stuff like this. Sad. Just sad. Okay? People are, and people are, more people are going to feel that way that this woman feels. They're not going to want to go back to these jobs. Okay? Because they played games during COVID. Played a lot of games. They used COVID to usher in a lot of BS. Here's another terrible story. Short supply of cancer meds. Now, I've got to worry about the cancer meds. If people get, get sick during this time, you got to worry about if they got some cancer medication, okay? This is according to Yahoo News. A short supply of cancer drugs has doctors and patients worried. We're at a critical juncture. Sitting in an infusion center last Wednesday afternoon, Elizabeth Arnold wondered whether the cancer drug dripping into her veins would be enough to make a difference. Arnold, 53, was recently diagnosed with advanced uterine cancer. Her surgeon said she needed chemotherapy to knock them, knock down the tumors before operating. But the key medications in the, but the, with key medications in started, she was told she would get five bags of the drug carboplatin, not the usual six. The nurse at her hospital in Anchorage, Alaska, said they would likely run out completely before her next treatment in three weeks. I am terrified, quite frankly, uh, said Arnold. A journalism professor at the University of Alaska and former reporter with the National Public Radio, she caught up in a frightening and frustrating, uh, she caught up in a frightening and frustrating national shortage of essential drugs that experts say has put the lives of more than 100,000 cancer patients, particularly women, at risk. The last six months have been the worst in my career, including some of the shortages we had during the peak of COVID. It's just been incredibly challenging, said Julie Kennelly, Associate Director of the Pharmacy at the State of Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center. Fourteen cancer drugs have been in shortage in recent months, mostly because of supply chain issues. Those in the shortage supply include cisplatin, cisplatin, uh, carboplatin, platinum-based drugs used to treat uh, 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 gynecologic, so like breast, testicular, bladder, head, and neck, and non-small cell lung cancers. The American Society of uh, Clinical Oncology has been working to resolve the shortage and solve the first limits of hope last week after a national delivery of carboplatin, which has been in shortage for a month. I think we may very well have hit rock bottom in our our thoroughly sodium slowly see more release of the drugs that Julie Guala, the Society of Chief Medical Officers and Executive Vice President. But it's not clear whether the crisis is ending or if our supply will continue to ebb and flow. None of us knows what that means. It's going to be uh, adequate. Are we going to, is it going to be adequate? Are we going to be practicing week to week, said Dr. Amanda Nichols Fader, a, pro, a professor of obstetrics. Obstetric, I can't talk today. Obstetrics, okay, and, and gynecology at John Hopkins Hospital and president elect of Society of Gynecological Oncology. We obviously need a long term solution, okay? Listen, this is crazy. Hopefully, it does not work because you're going to see huge issues, okay, in the United States. And people are going to be very impacted because they are, every year they have new 
cancer diagnosis. I just had a girlfriend a few just a a year ago who was uh, was uh, diagnosed with breast cancer in her in her face. You know, very young. She they just happened to catch it very early. But every year, many women are are diagnosed and people men everybody diagnosed so a lot not everybody but a lot of people are diagnosed with cancer so it's important that these drugs get the shelves and not and it shouldn't be no surprise so to me that's always bs i'm starting to hear i be starting to be looking at y'all side eyes be like why y'all can't fix these basic 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 issues okay because people's lives depend on it we are we're in a very strange greedy Twilight Zone light world, okay, and hopefully they get this situation together. It's really uh, terrible to hear that, okay. Also, um, let's see what else we got to talk about. Now, um, life expectancy in the U.S. Let's talk about that, okay. Y'all know life expectancy in the United States, okay, is dropping. Okay, life expectancy. U.S. life expectancy. It's from USA Today. Problem is bigger than we thought, report finds, okay? The country's life expectancy problem gained renewed attention in recent years during the COVID-19 pandemic after seeing the largest drop since World War II. As U.S. life expectancy continues to plummet, a new report found that the country has been at a life expectancy disadvantage since the 1950s and has only gotten worse since then. The study published Thursday in American Journal of Public Health also shows that more than 50 countries have surpassed the U.S. in life expectancy since the 1930s, and a handful of states may be partly responsible. The scale of the problem is bigger than we ever thought, older than we uh, thought, and the number of countries outperforming the United States is much larger than we thought, said the study doctor. Study author Dr. Susan Wolf, director of Emergence by the Health at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond. The findings uh, offer a new perspective on U.S. life expectancy and share light on how to reverse the trend. The um, U.S. began seeing dramatic decrease, increases in life expectancy in the early 20th century, mainly a result of public health advances such as vaccines and sanitation will see it. The new report shows how the growth continued in the 50s with the U.S. life expectancy ranking 12th highest in the world. But the growth rate began declining in 1955, and by 1968, the U.S. had fallen to 29th. The decline began much earlier than many researchers had thought from that we'll see it. When asked when this problem began, we cited the 1980s because we haven't gone back far enough in the historical data to see what happened before, he said. That was a decline in the 1950s that raises questions about what was going on then. Uh, he says the life expectancy rate uh, rebounded in 1974, according to the study, then decelerated in 1983. Provisional data from 2021 shows U.S. life expectancy has dropped to 76.1 years, according to the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, the lowest it has been, it has been since 1996. Uh, but the general takeaway remains the same said Michael Engelman, Associate Professor of Sociology, University of Wisconsin. Uh, the timeline shows that life expectancy may be heavily influenced by systematic factors that are larger than individual health. Say. Uh, it says taking historical perspective uh, teaches us things that are not predetermined. Things change, and that means there's possibly a uh, possibility for more improvement in the uh, future. Um 
says middle-income countries made enough gains in life expectancy to catch up and then surpass the U.S. during a time when the country's acceleration slow. Wolf said by 2019, the U.S. ranked 40th among populous countries, lower than Lebanon and Albania. Um, part of this, in my personal opinion, you guys can read this whole article. It's in USA Today. But part of this, the reason for the U.S. life expectancy, it don't take no studies to read figure out. It's a rat. It's a, most of these places. It's a rat race in some of these states. They overcrowded. You met illegal immigration. People run across the borders. You have some cities that are very overcrowded that can, should not be overcrowded. That's why illegal immigration. Or you had to sign up to be to to uh uh uh, uh to uh, get into the country. Now you just couldn't walk over people. No, nobody. No, not too many countries do that. People. They want to know the number of people they have coming in their country because there's a n- limited number of resources, limited number of, of you know, when you have, uh, and they should first go and help the citizens. But when you see a decline, not only with illegal immigration and overcrowding and, 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 and work and rat races at work and, and just, uh, just more stress in life, of course life expectancy is going to da- go down, especially America. America. The more America has, the more crazier it gets. Okay? So I'm not surprised by this, all right? So you guys can check out that article in USA Today, all right? So let's talk about Jameson, Idris Avenue Street, okay? Lord, when I heard this way, I was like, huh? Really? <laughs> okay, you know, <clears throat> listen, I'm an actress, and I have, uh, you know, I've been acting, I started acting when I was uh, let's see. Well, how old? Thirteen years old. Miss uh, my grandmother when I when my grandmother found it, found out I could act, she was like she threw me right in the <laughs> And just like seeing when you know it was just a, just a thing, okay? So yeah, but when I when I I've been doing this for a long time, and one of the methods that I grew up studying, and a lot of my teachers were they were method actors, and were method actors, and I talked about this in my theater group this week. We were talking about method actors, and what method actors do is they, you know, a lot of times they believe you have to experience real feelings, real things, or something have something real to pull from. It can be a very dangerous form of acting. So to me. And when I heard this, I, when I heard what Jamie Idris done, I kept thinking, it, it, you know, he's, he's kind of trying to do method acting stuff. But um, what they had here, what he said is that he called on the devil, okay, to tap into his uh, his character in Snowfall. Okay, this is according to HollywoodUnlocked.com. It says, Jameson Idris revealed he had nightmares after calling on the devil in order to tap into his role on Snowfall. Okay? Uh, it says, Jameson Idris is revealing some of the struggles he went through filming the sixth season of Snowfall. While speaking on his role to Frank and Frank, the actor opens up about how he had to call on the devil in order to tap into the character. Okay? I mean, he like he calling Candyman or something. Okay, no, I don't even play Candyman, let alone the devil. I don't play Candyman. I don't play none of that. Okay, I was hitting the block, right? I was like, I'm doing it right. Said in an interview with the Hollywood Reporter. So I went to the corner, and you know, I was looking at the wall, and I was like, Come on. Now I, he said he was like, Come on, devil, come on, devil, right? Come to me, like come to me, because I had to do something like crazy, right? I had nightmares for a month. Like I had nightmares every day. Like I felt like I just felt that energy. And I had to pray and do all this stuff to get rid of it. 
you know, you call your mom up and you're like, bring me back to life. And that stuff is real. That stuff is really real. They say Idris really showed the world his acting skills while playing his role on the hit show. Fans were upset the show came to an end, but satisfied with the way the show ended. Idris' character was something special to see on screen. Uh, so over the years, he talked a lot about different variations of it. I can't remember Fox fifteen, the fifth and sixth seasons. And at that point, I was like, well, maybe he gets his money and loses everything, and everybody just, and everybody just destroys his community. But he becomes a, a soloist. But this was the right thing to do, even in the very, very uh, early mini rooms we did. So Leonard Chang and John, we did with Leonard Chang and John Singleton. There was talk, well, maybe he ends up destroying like his father. Okay, um, but listen, this character, Franklin Saint, was a very evil character, but ain't no reason to call the devil, okay? And I have played the devil in, in you know, when I was at my, when I was going to, um, uh, when I was working on my associate's degree in in, in, uh, in school, I, play, I played a, a role where I played the devil. I redid, we redid the devil's advocate, and I did it from a female point of view, okay? And I was the devil. And really, people in town, I remember people in town were like, oh, when I got them, he was like, oh, hell no. Nah. He was scared, you know, whatever. He was laughing. Like, you all right? You know, it, it was because it was very real. But I didn't kind of have to call him no devil. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I just said, listen, I I understand. I'm like, you know, Lord, you give me, help me to under, understand the perspective of what Lucifer is like. And how would he show up in female form? And help me to get that across to my audience. But listen, anytime you start calling on spirit, spirit, come on, come to me and stuff like that, he probably need an exorcist right now. Lori Harvey, if I was you, I might be a little nervous. Because just because he thinks the devil done went, he might not. He might just be laying dormant. You calling on no devil to play no role? You can't, y'all crazy. Y'all be nuts. You can't be calling on no spirits. That's like people be calling on spirits. Oh, I need a spirit to get on stage. I need a spirit to go. Oh, you do not. You do not want to play. You, I be, you be calling on the ancestor spirits. I be telling people all the time, don't do that. You don't know who your ancestors are. You might get Grandma Juju Boo, who was some crazy person. Who might You might get Uncle Lulu, who was a drunk. You might get uh, 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 Grandpa Hicks, who was a molester. Hey, you, you can't be you talking about I'm calling on spirits of the ancestors, uh, a spirit of the, uh, the ancestors. Because you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know who the people You Especially you don't know who they were. I be trying to tell people that because we playing with these spirits out here, and here we are playing with the biggest one of all. And I know, you know, the devil. If you know anything about him, you know the devil didn't send himself. You know, you know what he did. Because the devil's like, I'm too, I'm too good for that. He can't be omnipresent. He probably sent one of his minions. So you don't got a, you got a demon, a strong one. So they said that character Franklin Satan is evil, but he ain't the devil. He got, he got, he got legions, probably. So he might have sent you a few demons, uh, a few devils, demons. And if I was you, I'd be going to church and get some oil and get played on. You might need an exorcist, okay? I'm just saying, that's crazy. That, that, that is some of the nuttiest people. Don't be calling on spirits, okay? Let's try to tell you. Do not, do not, you don't need no, if you a good actor, you do not need, listen, What's that? It's a story I remember my acting teacher used to say. I think it was about Lawrence Olivier. I can't remember. 
but she's talking about how this one actor was doing all this. They they were playing two. They both were playing bums. And one actor would come in every day. He wouldn't take no bath. He wasn't shaving. He wasn't doing this. He wasn't. He he was going hungry without eating, so he could get into the character of a bum, right? And this other actor was eating grapes and being fed and pampered every day by uh by the people, uh, uh the backstage people and everything as he prepared. Then he would dress up as a bum and everything. And they both came out with the same results. And I think it was Lawrence Olivier. And uh, the guy looked at him, and the guy looked at him eating all this food and, and doing all this nice stuff in between takes. And uh, the guy looked at him like, dang, you ain't hardly doing none of this stuff I'm doing. And the man says to him, I think it's Lawrence Olivier, he said, he said it's called acting, my dear. It's called acting. It's, called, it's pretending. <laughs> and my thing is, Listen, there are times you can tap into a character, meaning understanding the who, what, when, and why of a character. And I remember this week, this is what some of were going with, over with us on my, uh, in my acting group. And I thought that was so good of understanding who, what, when, why of a character and, under, and, 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 and falling into a character. Uh, it is a deep process, but you don't have to go... Like when you start doing wild stuff, you know what I'm saying? Because it can take if you if you if you go too deep into a character, it, you can carry them with you for a long time. You know what I'm saying? And um, it's a very dangerous thing to get out of pretend. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And when you start calling on spirits, only spirit I. Listen, the only spirit you can call, you should call on is the God spirit. God can give you insight into any person or anyone. But playing with these things, don't be playing with these things, you know, acting roles. Y'all wild out in these streets. Just wow. <laughs> so I'll be doing out here calling on the devil. Talking about I need to call on the devil. He, he, he just sent out, he just sent you a, 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 a legion. That's even worse. Sheesh. Okay, so also, let me talk about Gary. Everybody talking about Denia, whatever her name is. Lord have mercy. Dear Jackson's ex wife, Denia charges upwards of $5,000 for infidelity recovery boot camp after divorce. <laughs> this is a Oh, Lord have mercy. This is according to uh, BlackEnterprise.com. It says, Denial Jackson is fresh off the heels of divorcing Derek Jackson and wants women to shell out thousands of for her infidelity coaching. Denial has been on full press run about reclaiming her time in the wake of her public fit from Derek, who has been caught in multiple cheating scandals throughout the course of their marriage. Now, after surviving Derek Jackson, Denia is is aiming to help other women survive the serial cheaters in their life. On um, Wednesday, on site took notice of the four thousand nine hundred ninety seven dollars Denia is charging for her personal thirteen coaching sessions that teach customers how to profit from your pain. She shops on Denia's website, so the price point she's charging. For programs within her infidelity recovery weekend. Child, 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 child. This is right here. This is hilarious. She never came to scam. Help us, Lord. 
According to uh, 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 somebody said, like husband, like wife, this is barely here herself. You're trying to get some vulnerable women out of their hard arm but According to her website, uh, Denial, who uh, wants those who are interested to learn how how I recover from infidelity and share five benefits a customer will get out of enrolling in her online course. There there are a number of services she offers, including 40 days and nights of healing. For just two payments of four ninety five a month, a bundle that includes her book, a three personal session, three personal uh, thirteen sessions a week for two payments of three thousand four hundred ninety nine dollars a month, and just thirteen coaching sessions of four thousand nine hundred ninety seven dollars. What? I come to you as a witness and testimony who has experienced exceptional pain, trauma, and bondage emotionally, physically, and spiritually. She says on the page. After selecting a live coaching session with her via Zoom, after catching winner denies high price coaching on site, and others others accuse her of the social influence of trying to get over on the vulnerable. Listen, y'all, I said this to y'all last week. I said Denia, y'all was trying to make her into some hero, and I like Denia. I said I liked her and everything, but here's the deal: Denia, even when she was married, she was heading up Derek's business. Oh, you. You help us wasn't out here listening, because I was on, all on here talking about, she's been through gaslighting, she's been through trauma and all this stuff. Uh, yes, but did you hear what I said? When Zaniah, knowing he was a cheater, knowing he was a hoe out in these streets, knowing he was dropping it low and spreading it wide, as Mama Braxton say, knowing he was doing all of that, she was still heading up his business, telling y'all. What not to do, okay? So Denia been in on scheme, in my personal opinion, okay? So I don't know what y'all surprised about. She out here trying to charge $5,000 on her pain. Now, let me just say this to you. First thing is this. Y'all can come over here to this show and get a lot of for free. I told y'all, I gave y'all a great thing uh, a couple of weeks ago about what Laura London said. Take it and use it wisely. It's free. It gives you, it releases all kind of here, okay? All I'm trying to say, listen. When you come up out of pain and you come up out of some things and you might have a lot to say and you might have a word for people. My personal opinion is that sometimes you need to give that word out for free. And then as people start, once you heal, because wait a minute, and I don't think you got to be all the way healed to give a word. A lot of people are going through healing and they can teach mightily. Okay. I'm just telling y'all that's, that's real. That's real deal. Okay. But first you need to give out what you've learned for free for a while. And then people catch on to you and then have you people start going, I'm not saying five thousand dollars, but you know what I'm saying? You can then you might start charging for a speaking engagement or you might charge for this, something like that. But don't be trying to take advantage of people that quit. And y'all shouldn't be surprised by her doing this. I'm not. I knew where she was going last week when she showed up on the wifey show. The Dear Whitey Show. I knew that was going to be next, okay? Because I heard Denia's interview, and I was listening real good and real closely, okay? So this don't surprise me at all. Now, when we get back, child, what more we got to talk about out here? We got to talk about Chili. Said she been in time. She was, her and Usher was apparently, sound like me, hanging out uh, back and forth to 2019. Child. Now, Chili, you didn't get the, you know, my business. So we got to talk about that, child. 
We got to talk about, um, uh, what else we got to talk about? Oh, my God. So much. Denial. Y'all should not. Oh, Lord. I'm still thinking about denial. Y'all should not be try, uh, surprised about that. Okay. We got to talk about chili. And then we got to talk about, um, what else here? Um, let's talk about Cardi B. Can she bored? Got to talk about Cardi B and a whole lot more. Child, we got a lot more to discuss. I got to take a break. We'll get we'll get to it when I get back. Meanwhile, let's play a little bit of uh oh, goodness. we're gonna play um I don't know how we doing up in here. I think I'll be having it. You know, you know, I don't have it ready. Okay, we're gonna be listening to Maxwell's off. It's the CC show. I'll be back in just a moment. Okay. Tonight you're going 
Government, politics, celebrity entertainment, music news. Tune into the Carlotta Chatwood Show right here on Block Talk Radio. Tell what is this? I just now I'm just now hearing about uh, uh, Britney Spears, like uh, uh, out here showing up at the gym. You remember when Mariah Carey was on her working out in her heels and stuff on TV and stuff. Everybody got TV and crazy. But they just saying that Britney Spears is showing up in a dress and her heels. She showed up in her dress and her heels at the gym and trying, you know, talking about she likes working out with her heels and stuff. Now, I don't want to say. My listeners who I've been listening to the show for a long time, I don't want to say. In time, it will be. Father, Daddy Spears, Britney Spears, Daddy. I don't know if he was all the way right, but Daddy, you're going to be like the Joe Jacksons of the world, and uh, you might have been hard. He might not did some stuff right. But in the end, I think you're going to be redeemed. Y'all know y'all shouldn't have took that conservative shit off that girl, but I digress. Not Megan Good and Jonathan Majors out here traveling to Morocco together. No, it ain't. Megan, say it ain't so. I told, I said, I already said with Megan Good, don't get knocked out. That's all I got to say. Megan, if this is a relationship for you, do not be coming back. Don't you? Don't you show up five years from now. I know people, people tell out, you need to give girl a woman like her space, you know, so she can. Women have to be able to admit their abuse. Not like, nope, 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 nope. Not if you see somebody got charges currently on them and and and, and they may have a allegedly, allegedly a plethora of people waiting to tell their story. Girl, you're not smart. But this is according to uh, Rhymes of Snitch, if it's true, via TMZ. Jonathan Majors and Megan Good are going strong overseas, popping up in Morocco where they're stopping for pottery. Uh-oh. But was you the chick that was on the phone? They got the fight going? They got the fight popping, Megan Good? Anyway, alleged fight. Folks were there to, were, who were there tell us a couple side-by-side called Art Nods. Nazi, Nazi, where they appeared to take interest into it in a fountain and a fireplace. 
The top hails itself as the biggest handmade factory shop of poetry. I mean, pottery in Delhi, uh, I don't know, Delhi, in uh, Moroccan uh, towns in the country. And we're told Jonathan and Megan seem to be negotiating a deal with the staff. So it's unclear if they pulled the trigger. Was you the chick that he got that that the girl that, that when he was texting Megan? Was you the other one? Was you the one the girl had to snatch the phone about? All I'm saying is this stuff, okay? You know, ain't my business. You can be out here whoever you want to in these streets, okay? You can do whatever you want to. I just don't want to hear no. He knocked me over the head in five years. That's all I got. That's all I got. That's all I got. Okay. Carry on. Love and life. <sighs> you know, I just want to say something. It is so sad to hear the story of this week of Jackie O, who um, was a Wild and Out, uh, was one of the uh, people on Wild and Out. Um, she was also uh, a longtime uh, partner of DC Young Fly. 32 years old, passed away. Um, and this is, um, it says, patient's complaint launched against surgeon photo with Miss Jackie O before her passing resurgence. Uh, past complaints launched against plastic surgeon Dr. Zachary Oka have resurfaced following the passing of a former, former wild and out star, Miss Jackie O. Before 33-year-old suddenly passed away in Miami on May 31st, she teased that she will be doing a big reveal of her mommy makeover in the near future. The cosmetic procedure can include a combination of breast augmentation, liposuction, or a tummy tuck. Jackie has three children's daughters, Nala, Nova, and a son named Prince, with her longtime love, D.C. Young Five. Jackie's cause of death has not been shared publicly. However, speculative reports suggest she visited with Dr. Oka, Oka High, a screen starts circulating online that the PH1 physician also deleted the Instagram post with him and Jackie showing her dressed in an open medical gown. The caption mentioned her plans to undergo cosmetic procedure. On Friday, people shared claims originally reported by Page Six that Dr. Oka had filed lawsuits against patients who diseases him, leaving them botched, okay? Um, wow, okay? Um, and this was going to see this. A lot of people are speculating that she went to get this surgery and something went tragically wrong. Let me just say, you girls are 30, 32. I, I'm, not really, I'm not against plastic surgery, okay? I'm not against, especially for older women, because age is something to deal with. Listen, let me tell you something. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not for older women just going in there and getting 20 things done at once and all that stuff. I'm saying that a lot of these at 32, and this isn't to diss her or anything, but you can you can get in the gym. You know, it's a different story for being a woman. And you can get in the gym at 50, right, and stuff like that. But sometimes you get stubborn things and stuff like that. I'm just telling y'all, you know, girls, y'all don't need all this stuff y'all got. They got doing. They going okay? A lot of older women don't either. But a lot of y'all don't need perfect boobs right now. Y'all both boobs are perky right now. Now, some of us old women might want to go in and get a lift or something like that, but y'all don't need it. Y'all ain't 50, 45 and 50 and 60. I ain't like y'all want to hear getting all this shit done. Ending up 
she leaving her three babies behind now. You know, I don't know. She was in show business. When you're in show business, there's so much pressure. It's just so much pressure nowadays to be a woman. Oh, at any age. It's pressure to look good, to look your best. As women, sometimes you feel especially young women, I'm sure y'all feel in constant competition with Instagram people, Instagram models, Instagram this, Instagram, you know what I'm saying? It's some people on I mean, that Instagram, I'll be like, damn, you know, some of <laughs> these people be looking great. But listen, you got to be the best you you can be. You got to love yourself ferociously. If I listen, I'll be mad at myself too. There's some things. Listen, I ain't, I ain't gonna lie to y'all. There's look, I've been looking at little things, you know, like I said, as I get older, I say, I think I'm gonna get that done. Yeah, I ain't lying, I ain't gonna lie to y'all too. I think, you know, I look a little, you know, I got nice boobs, but I might want them a little lifted. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Shoot, there's a couple of things I might, might want to get, you know, as I get it. Not now, I don't think I need it right now, but when I get a little bit, oh, I might want to get a little. You know, feel you in a little, little bow tie. Maybe I want, I might want to do that. I ain't gonna knock it off the table. Hey, but y'all, y'all going in here getting six things done at once. Y'all, y'all don't do that. That'll kill. That's crazy. And all just to be like, uh, for what? And I'm not, I don't want to just sound like I'm dissing her. I push prayers to her family and prayers to DC Young. Life. It's so sad. But 32 years old and gone for And these doctors out here, they be doing this shit. They be knowing they ain't equipped to do. I ain't saying that was his situation. I don't know what the situation is yet. But I'm just talking about uh, we've had a number of so-called cases where surgeries have been botched, people being killed, everything. These people ain't caring. They just moving y'all in like cattle. Y'all gotta study these. Uh, when y'all when y'all go get plastic surgery, you gotta. Uh, first of all, I have a friend who told me she had a, a plastic surgery that went completely. She was talking about how she got infections and everything. It was terrible, okay? Because of the follow up, hers was doing the follow up. I'm just trying to tell y'all, y'all got to be careful. First, you got to do self-reflection, introspection, and then you got to do, you got to study these, these, these surgeons and stuff and, and reviews and make sure, you know what I'm saying? Any kind of surgery, you can get messed up out here, but these plastic surgeries are getting usually tons of cases. She, this, for years you've been here. Just be careful. I know the pressure is to be beautiful and to try to compete, but listen, let me tell you something. Work on your spirit, man. Work on that beauty from the inside. Yes, I'm not saying don't work on your outside. Don't take care of your outside. Don't do it, but make sure that you just, Make sure you have wisdom in these things. And I know you may see something, you might like, ooh, I want to look like that. Oh, I want to bite like that. Oh, 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 oh. 
okay? But when you listen to men talk, I be listening to men. Because I be, you know, I was like, you know, I be worried about certain things. Like, tell you, like, you know, you stuff like that. You know, I be like, but men be acting like, uh-huh. Men be, <laughs> men be like, y'all be tripping. We don't be thinking about having that stuff. I just, you know, it, but I think women do it. It's just something that women feel on the inside and stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of things, that you, sometimes these men don't be saying, listen, some of y'all go get these plastic surgeries and all this stuff done for you because you're trying to look good. Uh, you know, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to maintain as you get older, kind of a sexy look or look for your for your spouse or you for, uh, look good for yourself and all this stuff. But a lot of y'all be trying to do all this stuff to keep a man and stuff, but they end up cheating with somebody that don't be looking half, half as good as your surgery work. <laughs> okay? I'm trying to tell y'all the truth out here to be real. Y'all done went and got the boobs lifted and the booty injections and stuff like that. And the child, them, they, they, they end up cheating with somebody. Ain't got child. I ain't gonna talk about it. I'm just telling y'all be serious about it. And prayers for her family. I'm so sad for her children. Everything. Just sad. But it's you know prayers. It's just a sad thing to find out. That's hard. Okay. Let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about um, Chili and Usher out in the street. Chili and Miss. She and her ex Usher were still in contact while he was married. This is according to page six. Now, see, it's something about Chili and Usher. I ain't going to lie. I used to look, I, I, I used to look at them and say, damn, they cute together. They, you know, you be like, damn, they, they fire. They look good together. I'm not surprised that she had this tug of war of getting rid of Usher. Is Usher her twin flame? You know, because I'll be talking about that twin flame stuff out here. Just you know, I'm, I'm very interested in the twin flame journey. I've, I've been talking about having twin flame people going, on this show, and I haven't done it yet, but Twin Flame Journey is so freaking interesting. If y'all ever heard about the Twin Flame, I mean, it's, it's a different than a soulmate journey because a soulmate, you can have several soulmates in this lifetime, you know, they say, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like when you talk about soulmates, like, soulmates can be beyond, they can be platonic relationships, too. Like, I feel like I have several soulmates. Like, I feel like, you know, I feel like my granny's a soulmate. I be feeling like my, I have this girlfriend named Felicia who I feel like a soulmate. You, know, so you, you can have the platonic or you can be your husband can be your soulmate. You can have so many things. Well, twin, the twin flame journey is so wild, if y'all ever heard it. It's people, like, telepathic. Oh my God! When I hear it, it's powerful. It's a powerful journey, but it can be one of the most horrible relationships to go through ever. <laughs> but what I hear about y'all people on YouTube, you go through a woo, woo. Twin flame ain't no joke. Okay, in the twin flame, they say supersede the soulmate. So I wonder if Chili was like a, you know, like that's her twin because they even look alike, kind of. Her and her and us. This is TLC singer recently shared that she and the Confessions Pruner stayed in contact up until 2019, despite ending their highly publicized romance 15 years before. I love hard the 52-year-old whose real name is Rosanda Thompson told people Thursday. I was like, God, why can't I get over this? He couldn't either. Oh, oh man. Even with, you know, with the, I ain't not 
I ain't trying to put no rumors up out here. Okay, Chili said that she finally cut her ex off to focus on myself. I even stopped dating, she added, because before that, I thought I if I met the right guy during that time that I wasn't over usher, it wouldn't work. I would never want to straddle the fence. Wow. Girl, it happens. People straddle some. Chili, you were straddling the fence. Because you was up, don't be trying to talk Chili. You had to see Chili's dating show. Remember that show uh, years ago where Chili had that dating show? Chili always was one of them chicks, and I thought this might have been one of her problems. She was always trying to be perfect and seeking perfection. And she was perfect. I was like, Chili, you were so dysfunctional. I mean, she was so dysfunctional. So, I mean, like, here she is saying, yeah, I don't never want to travel since. But you were traveling the fence. She was talking to this man, and you know he was with somebody else. Okay, don't play games. Squirrel Seekers told the outlets that she and her Usher 44 were on and off for years and will reconnect when they weren't in other relationships. Mm-hmm. 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 However, the confessor singer was married to Tamika Foster from 2007 to 2009 and to Grace Carey from 2015 to 2018, which was one year before Tilly and Usher ended communication with each other. Mm-hmm. He was doing a lot back then, Chili. See, Chili. Chili Usher began in 2001 and Kylie quit three years later. The same year Usher released Christy Clay Confessions. But I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I got to be honest with you about Chili and Usher, okay? I ain't going to I ain't gonna lie, Chili. I ain't going to lie. Y'all even looking like Y'all cute together. I can't. I might have been twin flames. I mean, I know Usher was going like, to Usher, I feel like, had Chili. He, had, he was exposed to too much as a child, and that, uh, you know, made him a little hoe. I mean, she's allegedly, but allegedly, but, and, and, you know, all the stuff y'all say about us out here. Okay, but, and he needs to, like, probably a lot of therapy to stop the hunt. But, listen, I'm going to tell you, if they twin flames, listen here, I'm Matthew, uh, 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 what's your name, the other lady over there who's already started having these babies with us? Uh, let me explain something, okay? These two is going to keep doing this. That they twin, and they look alike. I'm scared because they said they was doing this on and off for 15, 15 years after they was, was messing around. They were still with each other. Y'all just didn't know it. They kept that shit secret. They were still messing around with each other. Okay, I'm just trying to tell you, Matthew and the other girl over there with Usher, I'm trying to tell you. Now, Chili decides to bring it out because Chili trying to stop the madness. Chili like, oh, God, I, gotta, I done got into a good relationship. I don't want this fool to come back. Triggering me, seeing him skating all over the damn place. I know what's going on, Chili. Triggering me. I got to put it out there so I can be held accountable. But listen, these two is twin flames. I got to suspect. I don't know what y'all say about this twin flame stuff out here. They're going to be back together. They're going to find some way to find each other again. Okay? They're going to find some way. I don't want y'all to get. I'm just trying to tell you. That's all. Because they, they, they couldn't drop us in 15 years. Okay? I'd be scared of them. Them type of people, you got to be scared. They couldn't drop it. They couldn't drop Like, after they broke up, they still was out in these streets for the fit. next 15 years talking about, oh, not in between relationships. No, you wasn't. There wasn't no in between relationships. Chili. Don't lie. Ooh. Mm-mm-mm. Talking about, I love hard. I know you do. You do, too. Talking about, y'all just couldn't get over. Y'all couldn't say, y'all look like it. Y'all look. They just look like they like each other. They, look, they, they videos they used to do with each other was hot. They used to look hot. I was like, damn. I mean, I used to look at them because I say they look good together. Like, there's one of them couples where you go, 
okay? And if you're bored out here, there's no reason you should be bored. When you got, uh, let me tell you something, when you got so many things available to you, then, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you something, Quiet, what would be interesting. You know what you should do? Even though they're going they to stop you from doing the uh, uh, the Tasha K lawsuit, they're going to stop her from getting money from Tasha K. I'm going to tell you something I'd do that was if I'm bored. I'll probably say, you know what, I'm going to forgive some of that debt. I'm going to make a deal with Tasha, and I'm going to do an interview with her ass, in person and live. I do fun stuff like that, okay? Even though it's possible she can do whatever, she can say whatever, whatever. I just do it for my own help. I would also get out here, help some people, help when you're feeling bored. Go out here, create a, a foundation, create, uh, help young women uh, get out the life that you was in before you uh, became, uh, 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 before you became Cardi B. Help some other people, uh, and, and there's, there's so many things you can do. Fame don't got to be a trap for you, sir. It ain't got to be born up there with all that, all that access to resources and all that access to, to, to dollars and coins. That's how. You can do a lot. Do a lot. You ain't got to be bored, sir. No reason to be bored. There's a lot of things you do. You can go out here. Where she at? Where she at? You right. She living in Atlanta. You can feed the homeless in Atlanta. It's a lot of homeless people up there in Atlanta. I just heard one time they was having them people standing in hotels hiding. I'm just saying what I was seeing down these streets like in Wakanda was going on. In American Wakanda, which I call it. Hey, I heard a lot of homeless people going on. You go out there, you can do a lot of stuff. Cardi ain't no need to be bored. Jamie Fox. Child, we don't know what's going on with Jamie Fox. One minute Jamie Foxx is one way, one minute he another way, one minute he they I mean, they've been told all kind of, I don't even know what, I can't tell y'all what's going on with Jamie Foxx. I have no clue. They say Jamie Foxx is blind now. They say Jamie Foxx, Jamie Foxx, somebody even said they thought he might have been faking the whole thing so he had to testify in that court case. I was a child. I, it was all kind of rumors out here. I don't know what to believe about Jamie Foxx. But according to RadarOnline.com, it says James Fox left paralyzed and blind from blood clot in the brain suffered after COVID vaccine. Now, I don't actually believe it was the actual, this is my personal opinion, okay? Now, they say the vaccine can affect various people different ways, okay? That's just any vaccination. But... I, you know, y'all know how I am about these vaccines. I know I was up here talking about that I am legend and all that stuff, and you know everything like that. Okay. However, I don't know if Jamie has had several boosters on top of boosters on top of boosters on top of boosters. If this story is true, and maybe it was a booster. I don't know, but it says Jamie Fox, and I'm hearing a lot of stories like this about people having a lot of. Uh, 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 things, a lot of things as side effects from getting the boosters and stuff. Okay, but it says Jamie Foxx suffered a blood clot in his brain, leaving him partially paralyzed and blind, and has been sensationally claimed. In a dramatic turn of events surrounding the mega stars and serious illness, veteran Hollywood journalist AJ Benza has revealed a supposed well placed source told him Fox 55 suffered a serious medical episode after being pressured into getting a COVID vaccine. That's terrible. Jamie had a blood clot in his brain after he got the shot. He did not want the shot, but the movie he was on, he was pressured to get it. 
Baker, the producer, a former New York Daily News columnist and host of the E-Series Mysteries and Scandals. The blood caught in the brain caused him at that point to be partially paralyzed and blind. Ben's insisted his sources, someone in the room connected to Fox Treatment, okay? RadarOnline.com has been has been has not been able to independently verify Ben's reporting. A spokesperson for Fox has not responded uh, to our request for comment. Listen, this is according to RadarOnline.com. I don't know what's going on with Jamie Fox. Next week, y'all, first he was playing pickleball at home. Then he was down. He was in some uh 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 what's some place in Chicago uh, rehab center in Chicago. Now he's blind and uh, 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 paralyzed. I don't know. Next week, he might be playing football and getting ready for any given Sunday. I don't know. Y'all got so many stories out here, and I blame. I'm going to tell you seriously. I'm blamed. I know the family's going through some stuff, and y'all trying to keep privacy, but when it's this many stories and this much fiction and all this stuff, get a family spokesperson. No, shit. Get a family spokesperson and come out here and clear some of this stuff out. Crazy. Now, next week he gonna be out here. Uh, 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 they gonna say he's he. They saw him at the pool house shooting pool. I mean, they gonna say all kinds of stuff. Okay, get the story. Just time to stop all these stories about Jamie for real. Hmm. Think of people trying to be nosy. People don't leave y'all to y'all business. Put a family post person out and say, hey, he's doing. This is what's happening right now. Show him. Let him show up on one of the major TV shows. How let the family first person give an update and they gone about your business. Oh, how much till Jamie get well and she get back out here? It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff going on. Pickleballs and all kinds of stuff. I'm just, it's kind of crazy. I mean, it's getting wild. The stories are just getting wilder. I don't know. Haley Berry wins a big, big in a decade-long child support battle with Baby Robbie. What you mean, big? It took a decade. So this is according to MSN.com. says, Haley Berry has reportedly managed to cap the amount of additional child support she has to pay Gabrielle after a decade-long legal battle. The 56-year-old monster ball actress shares Nala, 15, with ex-boyfriend Gabrielle Aubrey and her son, Maceo, 10, with ex-husband Oliver Martinez. Following Haley and Gabrielle said the pair was embroiled in a legal battle after a judge reportedly ruled in 2015 that she paid $16,000 her month in child support to her boyfriend, ain't even her husband, child. Holly Berry got finessed. Okay, now, according to Daily Bill, Haley is managed to cap the additional about at $4.5 million in total. Haley shall continue to pay Gabrielle 4.3% of any income she receives. And I think he only got the kid part-time. Well, uh, uh, above $1.95 million has she an additional, she has additional child support for Nala. However, any additional payments of child support pursuant to this paragraph will not exceed $109,000 per year. Listen, let me just say this. He already got all, he got all the money uh, he wanted to. They was arguing back and forth. Even Holly Berry one time claimed that this man might be racist. And I said, boo, how you have a full whole baby with a racist? I don't want to hear your story, Holly Berry. No, I, 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 and I actually thought the child support, I, you know, I ain't going to do me and get it all the time. I actually thought she was kind of messed up or funny. <laughs> I mean, here. You know, there's some people in life you question about racial stuff. I, I, and I ain't in ain't Holly Berry's business, but it's, I am a little bit. It's just strange to me. Holly Berry's married to David Justice, 
what's the name? Who else is she married to? Uh, Eric Benay. With Wesley Snipes. Engaged to Christopher Williams. I mean, she never had a baby. She never had no baby. She never had no baby. And then Holly Berry, these two white men come along who seem like, just in my opinion, no, seem, seem kind of like losers. And then she's all pregnant and she's all this and that and this and that. And then suddenly she raised talking about your racist and all this stuff because she, she wasn't discerning about who she should have the baby with. Yeah, I, I don't know. I like Holly Berry, but I am going to speak the truth. I'm glad she was Van, what's the name down here in hell, dude? Van Hunt. Yes, I'm glad. But I just want, I'm just, I'm just trying to figure it out. I mean, how do you, I just wonder what the racial dynamic in her head, like how she sees race and stuff. No, I'm kind of curious about that. Because I do wonder, hey, how do you not have no way to take care of I just wonder. Now, maybe it just was time. Okay, it's just it's curious to me. And then when you get these two men, they, they seem to have a lot of problems, allegedly. Alleged losers. Or not losers. Alleged. Okay, from what they were saying out in these streets and these articles. It seemed like when she called when she was talking about she was calling me in the spirit of Dorothy Gendrick, did Dorothy Gendrick spirit literally jump in and start picking the men? I don't know. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's getting late. See, this was quite like, this is why. I apologize ahead of time if I should ever become, get, this show gets bigger. I apologize for anything I say that is wrong or insincere. I apologize that I can sometimes just say too much. <laughs> so, yeah, so, before y'all blackball me, before I even get up there. <laughs> I said, I'm going to ask you some hard questions because I really want to know. Can we discuss this? I'd ask her ahead of time. Can we discuss it? Is it, is it, is it an interesting point? It's something I want to really hear your answers to. I mean, I really would. I, you know, like, I, you know, like, how did that happen? Like, how did you these two do? How did these two do? These people you end up having babies, especially Gabrielle Aubrey, and then you end up paying him $16,000 and allegedly was going to fight Eric Benet like a dog. Get some, child, get some support. Allegedly, that's why I heard in the streets. I'm just saying, I just want to know. I just got a lot of questions. I'm no, like, I just be watching out here, pop culture and celebrity just trying to figure it all out. Yeah, I just, I, I thought, okay, it has stuff happens out this year. I just want to know. It's just interesting. Oh my God! What's the next story? Help us. Okay, there's a woman, child. She's 123 years old, and this woman looks good. Okay, for 133, 123. I at least saw sisters 85. So she looks damn good. Okay, this is from New NewTelegraph dot com. A 123-year-old Kenya woman identified as Teresa Narasa Jamba has revealed that she turned down many men in her youth because of the culture that forbids seeing women with men and allows women to be introduced to their family, but her family never introduced her. Okay. Teresa, who was still a virgin and never had 
had a sexual relationship with a man to her old age revealed that she was looking for the right man whom she would share a special connection with. Unfortunately, she could not get one. Now, I wonder, my my, my astrologist would say she got some burger in your truck. My astrologist, my favorite astrologist, she always said, Burger Beach is always making wild decisions. <laughs> I feel lucky. <laughs> But she even tell me what my burger. She said, "Yep, that's a burger shit." But New Telegraph gathered that has that at the time Teresa was ready for marriage. Age was no longer on her side because she was already too old to be attracted to men. According to her, she might have had children during her youth days if she had been sexually intimate with a man. She added that she is still hopeful to find a male companion at 123 years old because she is tired of living. A born and lonely night. Can she get some young kids out there? Is there some 80-year-olds that want to get down? Okay. okay. I never had a husband in my entire life. Yes, of course, I'm still a virgin. I would think of it during my era, but I won't take myself to any husband. My name is Teresa Naraka Zamba. I've seen the nakedness of a man. I've never seen the nakedness of a man. Oh, she like a BZ. You know what I'm saying? For 120 years, I lived with an unfulfilled desire, a deviant hope, and a courageous spirit of waiting that one day a man will emerge and embrace my soul. At the moment, you can help me bring you can help me and bring me a man. When I was young, I didn't want to associate with men, and that prevented me from any potential relationship. I never developed love for any man. Ah, oh, this is not no. I'm joking, but this is sad. Okay. A hundred and twenty three years old and you know, like I know it's some ninety year olds that want to get down. Now I might listen, if you ain't had no pins in that long, first of all she look good. See the help it it basically is sick. Cause you know, hey, she living to hundred and twenty three and no man problems. <laughs> I mean we women look and we look like, Wow, baby, yo, you it was the way to go. <laughs> But, you know, can some 90-year-old kick her down, some 85-year-old get down on these streets, a nice older woman out here, want some loving before they, before it all goes to the, you know, before it ends, come through, knock some cobwebs off. I mean, lots of, I was 123. Wow. What a story, but she looks good. A hundred and twenty year old virgin. That's wild. That's pretty deep. Now I've heard no, it's not it's not that's you I've heard a forty year old, fifty year old, but a hundred and twenty three and she looked good, okay? I'm just saying what does it what does that say to me? <laughs> oh my god, the last story is blue face, so given. Tell women they should expect to be cheated on. Blueface has been caught getting a lot of attention recently, and very little of it's positive. The saga featured him and Christian Rock continued. Most recently, Blueface took Jaden Lexus on a date, his other baby mama, and told her she could look after his and Rock's baby. Then there was a viral clip of him harassing a woman at a nightclub. Furthermore, his mama trying to start a beef with Erica McGee. Just a lot of things going on that aren't music for the rappers. Seemingly not tired of attention, Blueface took to Twitter to get out some relationships advice. More specifically, Blueface warned women that they should expect to be cheated on because Beyonce was cheated on. 
truly a relationship guru at work. The tweets were bizarre, misguided, just straight-up cringe. At the very least, Twitter is having fun roasting him for it. And this is according to HotNewHipHop.com, uh, that article. It says, if Beyonce got cheated on, bitch, then you getting cheated on. Say you ain't even got half to offer a bitch, okay? Who say sound off with a series of tweets on June 3rd, okay? I'm speaking for all women. Be for real, came to, uh, came to follow. But ain't no female better than Beyonce. Ain't no nigga richer than Jay-Z. You get the point, Blueface added. The truth could never be a diss, the rapper concluded. Earlier in the day, Blueface retweeted tweet, a tweet from Jalen and Alexis that read, Addicted to Dick, I got ad. Listen, let me just check. First of all, Jay-Z and oh, boy. Listen, first of all, these men say crazy things, okay? Uh, uh, first of all, you ain't got, a lot of you men ain't Jay-Z, okay? And ain't got no Jay-Z money. So you can't expect people to just accept your infidelity. And I don't think you should accept it if you're Jay-Z. Shit. And, 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 and Beyonce, I don't know Beyonce. I don't know what she offering over there. Just because she can sing and dance, I mean, she got a lot to offer and she keeps. Shit. These niggas, that's, what <laughs> that's the problem with dudes like Blueface, okay? That's why he's out here confused. Because that's what he did. That's how he look at. All he's looking at is the outside. And he ain't making no music. You don't hear no music from Blueface. Blueface out here doing reality TV, okay? He is not smart. Well, he's smart because he got everybody paying attention to him. But he's not He's not doing anything lasting. And he don't pick women. Now, like, I, ain't saying Beyonce, I ain't saying this about Beyonce, but he ain't looking at the deeper things of Beyonce. I don't know what Beyonce is. I don't know who Beyonce Beyonce might be a shell, uh, like a pretty empty shell over there. Okay? So just because Beyonce getting cheated on don't mean I expect to, because I ain't no empty shell. I got, I'm, 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 I got a lot. Okay, but then sometimes it doesn't mean that that doesn't. Women, that's not reason people cheat. People cheat, like I said, for various reasons, men and women. Okay, but this nut, if y'all let Blueface give y'all some advice, please. And I don't understand who you kids are that's letting Blueface do all this crazy stuff. Y'all, y'all got real, true, low self-esteem problems, okay? He's a fool. <laughs> I'll be like, what are your records? How you going to be How I don't know how long that, that reality TV money going uh, to last, especially if, if Chris Sean gets some common sense up in these streets. Because she really the money. Her little pre- her presence on TV, she really the 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 star of the show. I mean, what you gonna do after if, if her coin if she don't? Okay, then you gonna try to put some music and anybody gonna wanna hear you then. I'm like, what I don't know what a star he do. What's the one is he the one that used to say he was a who face was a dude that used to say he was a fuck. I think he was the one. I'm not sure. But I'm not surprised by blue face out here either. Sometimes you got to do the work. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to get in the studio. Sometimes you got to get in. You got to stop screwing around and playing around and doing all this crazy stuff and living off recruitment money and reality TV show dollars and Zeus checks. And you got to go in there and start to really build your empire. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is building a little bit of empire, but how long can it last? You know, 
I mean, if you are you really a rapper or are you just a a, a, a weirdo that just got on TV and people want to see your weird ass life? I don't know. You know, it's weird, it's strange. We live in strange times right nowadays where blue faces are relationship guru. It's a scary place. It's a scary time frame we live in out here. I don't even know. I, it's, the world is, I wake up every day and I be like, God, is, is, is it hot out man, outside? It's wild around here. It's just strange, strange world. I'm going to leave that with some good news. Angel Reese. She's she been doing it. That girl been expanding her empire, been on videos, everything. The girl from LSU. Great. Oh, I forgot to talk about Tina Turner, y'all, that they getting ready to do the Tina Turner Museum. I forgot about that. Tina Turner's widow are planning to transform their 76 million Swiss estate into a museum. This is according to uh, MSN.com. Okay, it's saying that Tina Turner's widow is reportedly transforming $76 million Swiss estate where she died into a museum dedicated to her life and work. The silly bet, the best singer whose death, age 83, was confirmed on May 21st after she had battled health woes for years while her sprawling 10-building waterfront retreat that overlooks Lake Zunich in 2021 with her husband, Aaron Back, 67. Swiss newspaper uh, brick claims it may now be used to showcase memorabilia from the superstar career. They do her like Prince. They ain't playing no games. They ready to roll out the... He already getting ready to open up. The museum. the museum probably going to be open up like Prince. Remember with Prince, it was probably like three to four, three to six months, wasn't it? It was quick. It was quick. You an entertainer. You gonna be working in death. They <laughs> gonna be putting your name to work in death. Okay, Tina. Tina ain't even. Tina ain't even barely got in the ground here. She just now probably uh entering the process of the pearly gate. The angels probably still sitting there just going through the like Tina. Nah, it's a, a day. What they say, a day is a thousand years with the Lord. But listen, Tina, see, Tina, Tina just getting good up and comfortable up here, uh, wherever she at. And, 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 and y'all get and y'all up here ready to make a museum. Oh, it's a wild world. It's a wild world. <laughs> like, I got to put up you. We about to put this put a museum. We gonna put this memorabilia. We gonna do all of this, okay? All right, Tina, Tina about to go to work. That name about to work in death, okay? Hey, let me just hear you. And she had a young husband, 257, old Tina, 83 out in the street. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. I see him. He said, hey, I'm about to live out this Tina Turner money. I ain't mad at you, but I, I know you probably hurt yourself. He's getting that museum up, too. He learned it from prison people. <laughs> prison. Michael Jackson's people was the only one flow. Michael Jackson, see, boy, up there my weekend. I don't know. We can't. I don't know. We can get to be. Oh, they won't let us in this county. They won't. They should have put Neverland. I would have had Michael Jackson buried at Neverland. I would have had fans coming in today. Michael Jackson's the only estate that didn't do the, didn't do the smart thing, in my opinion. But, you know, who am I? <laughs> All right, you guys. Let's talk to the end of the show, man. Thank y'all for hanging out, listening to me rant about pop culture, and listen to my opinion on all this stuff. Y'all are amazing. Okay, remember you can help me. You can hit. You can um. Remember you can listen to the show. I mean, get 
updates about the show by uh, following the show on Blog Talk Radio, okay? All right, so I'm going to leave out with one of my favorite songs by Jameer Clive because it's June, seven days in sunny June. It's the CC show. I'm Carlotta. Y'all have a wonderful week, okay? I'm out. See y'all. I'm going to do a show this week and record a show uh, this week for the other uh, platform. I'll let y'all know when it, the show is put up. Uh, but thank you guys for being patient with me. Remember, you can hit me up on the Carlotta Tatwood Facebook page, okay? You can hit me up Carlotta Tatwood Facebook page. You can also hit me up on Twitter. There's two Twitter accounts. There's the Tatwood Show, which is the one I'm on mostly, and then there's a spare account, the Carlotta, Carlotta 72, okay? And then my Instagram is Carly's underscore Galaxy. That's Carly's with an S, okay? And you know what? I posted a couple, a little or something on my Facebook pages and stuff. I'm constantly posting on the Carlisle Chat with Facebook page when I have a show for y'all because I'm doing, you know, to let y'all know what, um, what I'm going to talk about. But sometimes on my Instagram pages, on my Twitter pages, sometimes I'm not as active because I got a lot going on right now, so I'm Okay, so y'all, please be patient with me, all right? Please, so please be patient with me, all right? Uh, thank you guys again so much for uh, listening. I appreciate y'all, really, I really do. I want to, I hope y'all have a wonderful, exciting rest of your week, okay? Be blessed, y'all. I am out. I'll see y'all. Have a good one. We're going to be out with Korean Bailey Way, one of my favorites, Clemson. CC show. I'm Carlotta. I'm out. Have a good night, y'all.
discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void we're prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details if you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 